The views and opinions of today's broadcast are not necessarily the views and opinions of the TJRS radio network. Thank you for being a loyal listener and enjoy the show. Online radio at its best. You are listening to the TJRS radio network. You may write me down in history with your bitter, twisted lies. You may trod me in the very dirt, but still like dust, I'll rise. Good morning, and welcome to the serious side of the Jay Rouse Show, the show where we discuss politics, social issues affecting people of color, and every now and then a little comedy as well. Now here's your host, Jay Ryle. Thank you so much for the wonderful introduction. Today is February 19th, 2023, and here are the topics that we will discuss on this week's edition of the serious side of the Jay Rao Show. Fresh off the launch of her 2024 presidential campaign, former South Carolina Governor Nikki Haley in the swing state of New Hampshire this weekend, working a crowd of crucial voters. I think that the one thing we need to do to make sure we right this shit is stand up. Bad Republican woman to the White House. Well, you kind of match the suspect in the description of what I'm looking for. What's your name? What's your name? Why? Yeah, you do. Yeah, you do. Okay. Well, like you said, just come here. We're trying to figure this out, man. The San Antonio Police Department pulled this on an innocent man. This is a reflection of you. Because you're the cashier supervisor, and then you caused your boss to get to the bottom of what's happening. So I'm asking you, as the boss of the cashier, why did somebody on your team and staff look at me, grab the scanner out of my hand? It was over here. We gave it to him. We here. He reached over the wood and the doors and went bloop, bloop, bloop. And I said, hey, man, they going to take care of the transaction. They got it. I'm out. You're being a racist. And that's the truth. I don't have a racist bone in my body. And you know. This morning, new details in a deadly shooting rampage that left six people dead, rocking the small town of less than 300 residents in northern Mississippi. Online radio at its best. When you ask God for something, God boxes it up, puts your name on it, and he ships it the day you ask for it. As soon as you ask for it, he ships it. The problem with the package is he never tells you the date that it's going to arrive. If he did that, it would destroy the one element that he requires, your faith. So God sends your package, but he only delivers to Faith Street. If you step off of Faith Street and you go over here to I Don't Believe It Boulevard, he don't ship there. If you step over here to I Don't See How Avenue, he don't ship there. If you step over here to Ain't No Way Circle, he don't ship there. The package only goes to Faith Street. What happens to the average person is that when the package arrives and you ain't on Faith Street, it's just like the post office and FedEx, UPS. If you ain't there, the package got to go back.
347-850-1272 is the call-in number. 347-850-1272 is our call-in number. And welcome to the serious side of the J. Rao Show. I'm J. Rao. Thank you guys for spending a portion of your Sunday with us. And, of course, I never share the stage by myself. My big sister's in the house. Mr. Elias is in the place to be as well. Let's say good morning to them both. Good morning, Vanessa. How are you on this beautiful Sunday? Good morning. And, Jay, that opening was like, wow. Wow. Mm. What an awesome way to talk about State Street. That was off the chain. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. It's our third week actually playing it in a row, third show, I should say, because people are so inspired by it. So we'll, you know, we'll, we'll feature it throughout the rest of the year. But, yeah, it was very poignant. Uh, I love the way Steve Harvey put that together. It was just wonderful. Thank you so much for their comments. And uh, speaking of the man who gets the first and last word, even though we did speak of him, but we're going to speak of him now. Mr. Elias is in the place to be. Good morning, sir. How are you? Welcome in. Well, good morning, good morning, good morning, good morning to you, sir. And Good morning, Nessa. Good morning, Rich Sister. Good morning, Momo B. Good morning, Kathleen. Good morning, Marianne Music. And good morning, my, I'm sorry, good morning. Good morning, Real Daily. Good morning, my brother Hawking. Good morning, my brother Jerome. Good morning to you, Mr. Elias. The number is 347-850-1272. You can be a part of the conversation. We thank you for getting up, you know, early, depending on where you are. If you're on the West Coast, it's really early. Uh, we really must mean something to you if you're listening to us live on the West Coast. And, of course, you can always tune in uh, at your leisure, uh, uh, on demand, uh, on any of the many, many, many websites that we are podcasting on. Appreciate you. Thank you so much. All right, so now a uh, couple of things. Uh, just got news this morning that President Jimmy Carter is uh, he's receiving hospice care at home. And, Ms. Elias, we know what that means. We know what that means. Mm-hmm. Your thoughts on uh, the 39th President of the United States? Well, you know something, man? I, I've always liked Jimmy Carter. I never thought he got a fair shake because of the, the war. I've been coming on the war at, at that time. But you know, I, I never thought that he got a fair shake. I thought he was a great president. And just, you know, we had gas shortages and all this other stuff that happened with before. And, and people blamed everything on Jimmy Carter, man. But I always thought he was a great president, man. He, he thought about poor people. And the fact that he would go out for Habitat for Humanity at his age and help build houses for these people, man, that speaks volumes. Volumes on top of volumes as compared to his, his, his humanity for people. So I was thought he was a great president. Uh, awesome. Yeah. And a lot of people, uh, Vanessa, are saying that uh, basically, yeah, his four years in the White House were not as productive as he would have liked, but they're talking about his work after he left the presidency is what he'll be known for. Give me your thoughts on Jimmy Carter. Even though he's, you know, I mean, he's receiving hospice care. I think we all know what that means. He's surrounded by family and friends, and I wouldn't be surprised if we got the word here, even during the show, that uh, he has passed on. Give me your thoughts on President Carter. Well, I think, you know, I'm, I agree with everything Les said. I like, I've always liked Carter, and, and even when he left the White House, he was out there doing stuff. He was, he, he still was out there with the people. I like him. I hate to hear that he's in hospice. He's 98 years old, though. He's had a, a good life. 
and you know, if it's God's will, it's just God's will. But I mean, he's just been out there with the people, and I and I can't say anything bad about him. I mean, now let's talk about somebody else. I might, but not him. I I personally don't have anything bad about him. None but love for the former and, and, president. Uh, we uh, we wish family. his family well. Yeah, pray for his family and uh, pray for him. I mean, he's lived a great life, and Jimmy Carter has actually talked about death a few times. And, you know, I, I think at that stage you're probably ready to go. And, you know, obviously leaving his wife behind will be tough because they've been married for over 70 years. But, you know, at some point in time it's just time to rest, and I think he is at that stage where it's just time to rest. So, uh, President Carter, uh, we wish you and your family well, and uh, may God, God's mercy and grace uh, comfort your family during this most difficult time. Um, another, so going from a, just a distinguished American to someone who is despicable, uh, Carrie Lake uh, at the Super Bowl video of her not standing during the Black National Anthem. Now, Vanessa, I'll start this one off with you. You know, she's already filed you know, court case after court case, lawsuit after lawsuit. Every lawsuit she's filed, they say, look, you lost, go home, shut up. But the bottom line is, is that because she was a very popular anchor in that state, um, you know, she had some legs. People are concerned about her running for the Senate. But at the end of the day, she didn't stand up. And your thoughts on that, please? Despicable. She's just a despicable person. And she voted for President Obama, too, which is, you know, <laughs> insane. But I digress. Your thoughts, Vanessa? You know what? That's so ridiculous and so stupid that sometimes Jeff just doesn't deserve a comment. And I just don't have one for that heifer this morning, so move on. She called her a heifer. Okay. What about you, Ms. Delias? Do you have any comments for that heifer this morning? <laughs> I, I think they should roast her ass just like they did Colin Kaepernick. For not, for, for not all, all things should have they roasted him for not standing for the national anthem, and that was all this other stuff, then they should roast her ass too. Bottom line. So, so she's well, who's today, Ms. Who's today? Black folks, white folks, all of us. Just the same people that mm-hmm. I just said, the same people that roasted Colin Kaepernick should roast ass too. That's what well, it should be white people because I don't know a lot of African Americans who roasted Colin Kaepernick. Well, it Trust me. <laughs> because they got skin color, don't mean they're acting our people. So some of them did roast them. So, yeah. All, you know, all the people that roasted Colin Kaepernick should roast her ass too. That, 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 that's where that should go. It shouldn't be no difference. Well, that remains nah. to be seen. That remains to be seen. Now, Fox News uh, report came out this week saying that Fox News knew <laughs> that the election wasn't stolen. Fox News anchors behind closed doors called some of their guests Looney Tunes, but yet they went on the air and pushed this propaganda and pushed a big lie. Well, now uh, uh, Dominion uh, Dominion Voting Machines, the company that owns Dominion, that owns the voting machines, they are coming after them, and they are trying to sue them for big dollars. And so now, you know, it just goes to show you that they're concerned. They were concerned about their ratings. Tucker Carlson was quoted as saying, you know, our stock prices are going to drop because people are going over to Newsmax for that nonsense. Mr. Elias, once again, it just goes to show you that Fox News 
News is not Fox News. It's Fox Useless News, and it's fake. Give me your thoughts on this story, man. I, one, one thing that I was surprised you're not talking about this, this morning because uh, on, the, on the regular show, but I get it. Uh, the bottom line is, man, look, they, 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 they get text messages. They got everything that says that they knew that this was a lie, that, 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 that uh, Trump lost the election and President uh, uh, Biden won the election. So why, why would you not report that? Why would you lie about that? And I'm so glad as the Mortimers and Malcolm X, the chickens have come home to roost. I'm so glad. I am. And I hope the minion tears their ass up. I hope, they, I hope they rip them a new one so they can stop reporting false news because that's what it should be called. It's false news, not Fox News. Well, tell us how you really feel, Mr. Elias. My goodness. What about you, Vanessa? Would you like to comment on this? Because he really laid it out there for everyone. Your thoughts, please, on this. It, Les really did. Fox News. He did. Is it in the billions? Aren't they being sued for in the billions? I thought it said. Yeah, 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 yeah. They're trying to get them for a billion. Yeah, they're trying to get them. Yeah, yeah, they're trying to get them. No doubt. They're trying to send a message that you cannot continue to push this nonsense and expect people to sit back and just accept it. Your thoughts on this one, Vanessa? I don't have any thoughts on that. I'm sick of them. All of them need to be sued individually and the company. They just lie. They're crooked. They're conniving. All of them. Move on. All right, moving on. All right, so uh, it looks like the the, the halls of justice, (laughs) they're closing in on Donald Trump. Looks like Georgia is ready to indict now. The paperwork is not saying that basically it's Donald Trump, but Mr. Elias, I tell you what, out of all the different uh, legal battles that this former president has, it looks like the one that's really going to make the first, who's going to take the first swing at him, perhaps, will be the folks out of Georgia. Your thoughts, please. Well, like I said, it's about time, you know. If, if any of us had done the same things that this guy had done, it would have took this long. They'd have had us under, they'd have had us uh, roped and tied and, and done everything they could have done to us, man. So it's about time that they get him. And I hope, I hope right after Georgia that New York comes in and slams him too. So, you know, this, this guy is, 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 wow. He does all kind of illegal stuff and all kind of stuff and, and puts it on. And, and, and he's recorded as saying, hey, all you need to do is find me so many thousands of votes and this thing will be over with. Really? And, and that's not a crime. Come on. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he's on videotape. And, I mean, well, he's on audio tape. And a lot of people are wondering, Vanessa, you know, why is it? It looks like a local state's jurisdiction is going to actually be the one that draws first blood on President Trump. And that the Justice Department, with all the information, with all of the evidence that they have, they still have not even initiated some type of indictment on this guy. Your thoughts, please. But you know what? That's, Jay, that's just such a great question. When I heard that and it came across my phone on Newsbreak, I was thinking, why are they first? Don't the people, what about the lady in New York? I mean, don't these other people have enough evidence? That's more civil. I think New York is more civil, though. 
I think I think New York is more civil. Um, um, I think yeah, I think that's more civil. I mean, but I could be wrong. But I think it's more civil. But but to answer your know, question, I don't know what's like going on. The, it just seems like the Justice Department just seems like other people should be able to go after him that they have enough. I'm just afraid that this man is just going to get away with some of this stuff. I really am. I really am. He doesn't seem concerned. I don't know. And the Justice, the Justice Department or whatever that other department is who's got the mm-hmm. information, paperwork, and evidence, he ain't opened his mouth. They haven't done a thing. <laughs> Mary Garland, yeah. Hasn't said anything. Yeah. Mary, I, I told you Mary Garland's weak, dude. He's weak. I would never chose him. Well, well, you know, I'm starting to understand. I'm starting to, you know, I I was like, look, make sure you cross all your T's and dot all your I's. But, you know, this is just taking absolutely too long. And I think he wants to make sure it's ironclad because they understand the significance of, yeah, well, you know, I'm starting to think that as well. (laughs) But, you know, my goodness, uh, I don't know what he's doing. I mean, you know, this is a, an example of their, they are allowing politics to, to really run the show. All right, folks, we have uh, wrapped the clap long enough. It's time to take an NPR News update, uh, take a break, and uh, listen, get an NPR News update, and then we'll be back to uh, do the heavy lifting of the show, 347-850-1272, 17 minutes after the hour. You're listening to the serious side of the J. Round Show. Live from NPR News in Washington, I'm Amy Held. China has issued a warning to the U.S. saying it would, quote, bear all the consequences if it escalates the situation after shooting down Beijing's balloon. The statement from China's foreign ministry follows Secretary of State Antony Blinken's discussion with China's top diplomat. NPR's Emily Fang reports. China's top diplomat, Wang Yi, is in Europe for the Munich Security Conference, where he and Blinken met in the first official bilateral meeting since the U.S. shot down what it says was a Chinese surveillance balloon. Blinken told Wang, quote, this irresponsible act must never again occur. He also warned Wang of the implications if China were to send material support to Russia against Western sanctions. Blinken told CBS that he was concerned Beijing would send, quote, lethal support to Moscow. China has denied it is planning to send weapons. China issued a short summary of the meeting that did not mention Russia, but emphasized that it was the U.S. who had requested the meeting. Emily Fang, NPR News. Blinken has arrived in Turkey, where the focus is shifting toward delivering aid to the hundreds of thousands of people displaced nearly two weeks after an earthquake devastated the region. Several people were pulled alive from the rubble Saturday after spending 12 days buried. More bodies are being recovered, too, adding to the death toll, topping 46,000. Meantime, workers on precarious rubble are endangered by strong aftershocks still shaking eastern Turkey. Syria says several people were killed and wounded in a rare Israeli rocket attack striking central Damascus. NPR's Peter Kenyon reports a large security complex close to Iranian targets was hit. The strike in the Kafr Suze neighborhood near the center of the Syrian capital damaged several buildings in what was described as a densely populated district. There was no comment on the strike from the Israeli military. The initial death toll report came from the Syrian Defense Ministry. A Syrian human rights group reported a higher toll. Israel has carried out a number of airstrikes against suspected Iranian targets, including weapons transfers and personnel deployments in Syria. Western intelligence estimates Iran has a substantial military presence in Syria, including thousands of militia fighters under its command. 
Peter Kenyon, NPR News, Istanbul. In Philadelphia, police are searching for a suspect after a Temple University security officer was shot dead trying to intervene in a carjacking overnight near campus. Jennifer Griffin is vice president of public safety at the school. Our hearts are broken. We're devastated at the loss of a Temple University police officer who is protecting and safeguarding our community when they were taken from us. Temple says this is the first time one of their officers was killed in the line of duty. It's NPR News. Here's a not-so-fun fact, Vince. And what is that, your lariness? A rollover happens every 10 minutes. How long have we been driving? Nine minutes and 58 your safety belt. Oh, this job is wearing very thin. Online radio at its best. Fresh off the launch of her 2024 presidential campaign, former South Carolina Governor Nikki Haley in the swing state of New Hampshire this weekend, working a crowd of crucial voters. I think that the one thing we need to do to make sure we right this ship is send a bad Republican woman to the White House. She was the first to officially challenge former President Trump in the GOP primary. But with a flurry of other big-name Republicans traveling this week and next, it is clear several are on the verge of jumping in, too. She may have more company soon uh, in the race for president. In Iowa, former Vice President Mike Pence hinting loudly at his own likely campaign when asked about Haley's bid. I wish her well. South Carolina Senator Tim Scott off to Iowa himself next week. The GOP, the Great Opportunity Party. And sounding more and more like a candidate as he weighs a run. We should have faith in America. The future is incredibly bright. It is incredibly bright. South Dakota Governor Kristi Noem and New Hampshire Governor Kristen Nunu, both on the road too, rumored to be making their own campaign plans. Well, another Republican governor is playing coy. In polling, Florida's Ron DeSantis is often at the top of the pack next to Trump. With his name recognition and big national following, all eyes on him as he decides if and when to take the plunge. Nikki Haley announced her presidential run today. Do you plan on following suit? <laughs> Wouldn't you like to know? <laughs> Welcome back in three four seven eight five zero one two seven two twenty two minutes after the hour you're listening to the serious side. So it's official. Donald Trump now has a challenge here on the GOP side. Former South Carolina Governor Nikki Haley has thrown her hat into the ring. She's going to challenge Trump for the GOP nomination, uh, even though a few years ago she said that if Donald Trump ran, she would not run. So she also, when she gave her announcement speech, she talked about. Uh, giving a some type of cognitive test for people over the age of 75. Just a ridiculous statement. But anyway, she's in it. Uh, Mr. Elias, does she have a chance? No, she won't have a chance in hell. What she's going to do is push us, prop herself up to become either his uh, vice president running mate is what I think she's going to do. You know, and that, really? that's what I think she's going to race to. Yeah, I think she's going to race to run. I think it to become his vice president running mate. I believe that 
her head now. Bottom line. She's at four, I think she's at four percent approval rating or she's at four percent of the votes. So yeah, I don't think it's early. I don't think so. Well, it's early. Yeah, it's early, but I don't think she got a chance in hell. I don't. I really don't. I really do not. Because, you know, I thought she had got rid of all the uh, the, the Confederate flags and all this other stuff that she outlawed it and yeah. all that other stuff. But I went yeah. to South Carolina and I'm going to Georgia, and I saw a Confederate flag right off the highway. I mean, this thing was huge, and it was lit up. I mean, it had to be... Man, about this close to half half thousand football fielders waving in the waving in the wind in South Carolina. So don't hang, and that's right off the highway. And it wasn't private land. Didn't look like it was private land. So bottom line, <laughs> it well, is she can't. I mean, she she removed it from the she removed it from the state state uh, house. She can't stop citizens from flying it. So that's probably what you saw. Oh, but, okay. I, well, yeah, I mean, she can't. I mean. Highway. I've seen Confederate flags here in Texas. I mean, you know, it's just she, she, you know, give her credit, give her credit. She did, she did remove it from the state capitol. She did all that good stuff. But you know, you know, with you, I don't think she has a chance in hell. What about you, Vanessa? What do you think about her uh, jumping into the race? And you know, Mr. Elias, you're, you're, you know, I don't know if I agree with her. The reason why she's doing this is to become the vice president, because this is not like on the Democratic side. You know, Donald Trump, if you cross him, there's no coming back. I mean, look what he's doing to Ron DeSantos. Ron DeSantos had a whole commercial of him reading his baby Trump stories and playing with Trump blocks, and he's already calling them names. Trump don't care about that. If you're not loyal to him, he's throwing you under the bus. So I doubt very seriously if she will become the VP. We'll see. I If you fall right back in line, he'll forgive you. <laughs> she kissed your yeah, I don't know. He'll forgive you. Look, look what okay, look, well, at, look at McCarthy. McCarthy spoke out against him, didn't he? And then when yeah, McCarthy yeah, but, went right back in and, and and kissed the ring, and he said, "Hey, you put put McCarthy as the Speaker of the House." Yeah. Well, he kissed yeah. the ring again. He'll forgive you. Well, we'll see. I mean, you, that's a valid point. Uh, we'll see. I, I just think that when you talk about becoming his right hand, that's a whole different ball game. But we'll see. What about you, Vanessa? Give me your thoughts on this. I think she's going. But let, let me say this. Let me back up just a touch. Why hasn't Mike Pence thrown his hat in the ring? Because I would have thought that Mike Pence would have thrown his hat in the ring by now, and then Nikki would run as his VP like Biden and Sister Harris. But that scenario is more likely, Vanessa. What you just said, that's more to me that's more likely to happen. Because they you know, just like when John McCain huh? She is not going to be president. She can kiss all the rings. Well well I know that. But but what I'm doing, I'm validating your thought process with Mike yeah. Pence. That's more than likely to happen than her running as a VP on on a Trump's ticket because you know the, the GOP's got to try to find a way to, to 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 counter what's going on right now. So if he can get him a woman on the ticket, you know that'll work. But I don't know. I don't, I don't think none of it's going to work. But go ahead. Why do you think Pence? Why do you think Pence? has not said anything. He has not thrown his hat in the ring yet, and I'm, I mean, officially, and I am shocked. 
Well, no, I, I think if you look at if you go back and look at the normal cycle, what Pence is doing, Pence is is going to he's running for 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 uh, he's going to run for president. You heard it in the hit that he said, you know, she may have company yeah. soon. So 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 he's running, but what he needs to do is he needs to really and truly go out and you know they have political. Uh, they have political uh, groups that are, you know, watch groups that are doing polls and things, doing a lot of polling to see, you know, if he did jump in, because that's a lot of money. That's a lot of time, energy, and effort. Do you really want to put your family through when you don't have a, a legitimate uh, shot at winning? And he knows out of, out of all the people that's going to jump into this thing, he knows that he's going to get scrutinized the most because he's the reason why. I'm not going to say he's the reason why, but he he was the ire of Donald Trump for Jan 6. You know, hang Mike Pence. All these GOP candidates need a fraction of the Trump voter in order for them to even have a remote chance of getting out of the GOP primaries. So he has to test those waters, Vanessa. So I'm not surprised he hasn't announced yet. That's why he's going to all these different battleground states just to dip his uh, toe in the pool and see what happens. Do you agree with that, or, or do you think I'm, or do you not agree? No, no, I absolutely do agree with that. I was just mm-hmm. wondering if anybody else was on the same page thinking about that as I was that he hasn't said anything. And your explanation is awesome. So yeah, I agree. I was just wondering. Yeah, well, I mean, who's I'm not. Gonna be, so, who's so, going to be the Well, I tell you what, uh, you know, Mr. Elias, I think for him, and I say him as far as President Trump, I mean, we'll stop, don't call him that, Donald Trump, uh, the bottom line is I think that he wants the more the merrier because polls are showing that once the field gets diluted, he's going to win. So if he has five or six different people jumping in, that's going to split the vote. And we all know that there's a strong portion of the GOP that are Trumpsters. They are the mega guys. Mega guys, they're not going anywhere. He knows that if he can get, get more people in this race, the better of his the, his chances, Mr. Elias, increases if he can get get more people in this race. Do you agree with that? Yeah, he's, he's going to get a bunch of people in this race right now. And right now you can think of four, uh, about five people, like Nikki Haley, uh, Pence, uh, uh, Santos. And, and it, it's going to be a crowded field. Let's call it what it is. And once that crowded field hits, he's going to, he's going to he'll take it off and run with it. So that's, that's what happened. Because he'll have a, the, the vote to be so distorted that you know his 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 people will come in and put it through. So yeah, yeah, we definitely definitely will. Three four seven eight five zero one two seven two. It's uh, thirty minutes after the hour, the bottom of the hour, I should say. You're listening to the serious side. Thank you so much for being a part of it. So you know, so here's so here's my question, uh, Tim Scott. What the hell is he doing? I, I mean. You talk about someone who does not. Who, I mean, that guy doesn't have a snowball's chance in hell of winning anything, and he's jumping into this thing. It's amazing how some of these people really and truly think they have a real legitimate shot. To me, he's an Uncle Tom, and at the end of the day, he's stupid. He sounds ignorant, and I mean, you know, I, I just don't see what is that noise? Oh my God! Jesus, please, if you're going to do stuff, please mute. It's it's horrible. Good God. Just please mute your mic. What noise? 
He is on. I hear any noise. Okay, Mr. Elias, then maybe it's me. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, I, I did call him an Uncle Tom. He, he's an <laughs> Uncle Tom. He's a younger version of Clarence Thomas. You know, I, you know, and I, I try to, you know, for me, I try to say, okay, you know, let's not, because I don't want, I know some African-Americans who are Republicans. Matter of fact, you know, I know this was Hollywood and it's sitcom, but, you know, the banks were Republicans. <laughs> you know, they were. So I don't, I'm not going to sit here and say that they're not bad Republicans. I think that America needs to have two viable political parties. But when you vote against the interests of your own people, then I look at you in a special way. Because for me, I've always thought this. No matter, you know, our color transcends business relationships, transcends uh, relationships. I just think that the one thing you can, you know, the one you can change your money, you can change your status, you can change the place you live, you can change jobs. But the one thing that we can't do, we cannot change our skin color, and and that to me should be the common denominator for us. That's why sometimes when I see brothers in positions, I mean high positions, I guarantee you that if you catch them somewhere outside of that business, some a place. You can have a heart to heart, brother to brother talk because we all we black folks. <laughs> You're laughing. Do you not agree with that? Yeah. Well, like, like Dave Chappelle said, we live in two different worlds. We live in a world that we should. Hey, good morning. How are you? <laughs> great, sir. Great to see you. Good morning. Hey, man, what's going on, bro? That's the world we live in. That's what that. that right. That's the kind of world we live in. But. You know, to be to be honest, you gotta be you gotta be true with yourself. And money and greed and power rules the world right now. So that's what this guy is looking for. Well, let me ask you something because you you you, you brought up Dave Chappelle and Dave Chappelle told a uh, a joke during the stand up how when President Obama was running for president and how you know he was waiting to meet him, and he said John Edwards walked mm-hmm. by, you know, didn't acknowledge him. He said Hillary Clinton kind of walked by. He said, Hillary Clinton walked by me in a, in a uh, 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 what's the guy's name on Family Feud? I can't, I just Steve lost Harvey his name. Suit. Steve Harvey. Steve Steve Harvey. Harvey. Hillary Clinton just, yeah. yeah, yeah, walked by in his Steve Harvey suit. Then he said, but then when President Obama, but then Senator Obama came up to him, he said, man, you know, it's, so you're trying to tell me that you don't think that I don't, the most powerful black man in the world, which right now is President Obama, you're trying to tell me Let's remove him because he's not in office. So whoever the second most powerful brother is, you don't tell me. You don't, you're trying to tell me, Mr. Elias, if if you caught that joke on a park bench somewhere, man, and y'all just was sitting out there rapping and clapping, you you, you don't think he would just talk to you as a brother to brother, a sister to sister? You think that they would still be like, oh, or do you think they talk to you like, yo, come on, let's, let's have a conversation, brother to brother? Well, you know, and, and not at first because you don't know who these people are. Really? Who you are. So, of course, they're going to make a professional atmosphere. And then okay, okay, they get to know you, then you, you, you get to be like, hey, hey, man, you know, such, 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 such. And then, you know, I mean, like, it's like, like Daisy Pell said, we live in two different worlds, you know. You know Interesting. You know, we do. And, you well, know, maybe, maybe we should ask our political analyst uh, what he thinks about this. Uh-oh, sounds like Mr. Jerome Spree's in the house. Uh, the man who I call the smartest man in the world, Mr. Jerome Spree, is in the house. Mr. Jerome, man, how are you, sir? Welcome into the broadcast. 
I'm good. Peoples, how you doing? Good, good morning, Jerome. Good morning. Hey, good morning. Good morning. Yeah. All right, man. G- g- give us your thought on, you know, we were talking about Donald Trump. We were talking about now Nikki Haley is in the mix. Uh, nobody on this panel uh, we haven't talked to you yet, is giving her a snowball's chance in hell. Mr. Elias thinks that this is just a way of her getting on the GOP ticket as the VP, as Donald Trump's VP. Vanessa thinks that maybe she would be Pence's VP. I'm not sure how long you've been here, so stop me if you've heard this before. So the question to you is, what do you think, right? Do you think she has a snowball's chance in hell? And do you think that, you know, basically what she's trying to do is she's trying to get some name recognition because she can be the VP on, on uh, Donald Trump's ticket? Well, I don't, I don't think she's going to be the VP on Donald Trump's ticket. I think she's going to be the VP on somebody else's ticket. Or she may, because that's usually how Republicans – well, I shouldn't say just Republicans. I think that's how Europeans look at the world, right? They mimic and mock whatever is winning. So if Kamala is still there, then you're going to have a female vice presidential candidate along with a male vice presidential candidate. It's just like when Obama ran and you see people like Herman Cain and those guys come out, they will mock anything that is a winning combination. And I don't, I don't know why they think that that's viable, like that's um, reasonable to say, hey, if there's a black man there, we should nominate a black man. If there's a woman there, we should nominate a woman. That uh, that always happens in politics, and it never works. But in their mind, you would think that, um, you know, like she's coming out firing, saying that they need to have somebody younger on the ticket as opposed to these old men. Well, that's a that's a feminist thing generally, right? Like that white women have this tendency of saying, um, put us there opposed to the minority. They don't say that out loud, but that's kind of a – that's kind of implied, and we need to change the old boy network because the old boy network benefits white women. So that stuff doesn't doesn't play. So her tactic at going at this is kind of strategic. She's just saying, you know, I mean, it's it's she's just saying, look, look at me, I'm younger, and we need new new blood in here. But she don't mean it from that standpoint because what'll happen is that whoever gets there they'll have an excuse to have somebody younger in as a vice as a vice president. But it doesn't really happen, you know, that way. So it's a trope. And, you know, just like with the Democrats on the other side is mad at Biden because they keep this his age thing as an as an issue. It's weird, but I don't see Trump as a viable candidate, although Trump is a viable candidate from the radical people uh, on I shouldn't call them radical because those are buzzwords that they use. What happens is that Trump is the dream of, you know, white supremacist conservative people, right? And those guys are rabid, and so they're always going to support him. And people, the Republicans need their support. So they won't really fight Donald Trump. They just want him to lose to mm-hmm. the next DeSantis or somebody and then then go over to them. But Trump doesn't play like that, you know. Yeah, you're right about that. And, you know, the thing is, is that, uh, well, let me ask you this before we step out of here for for, for the break. Um, Is it advantageous for more people, for Donald Trump, when the field of GOP candidates 
are, you know, four or five. Because like you said, they need a portion. Let, let me tell you something. MAGA, the MAGA Republican is here to stay. They've been dormant for years. Now they finally have an opportunity to shine, and they are shining. Uh, they are, some of them are in Congress. Uh, one of these states just elected one of these clowns to be their state spokesman, spokesman, spokesperson, I should say, for the GOP in that state. So they are alive and well. That being said, we know that in order for you to win the GOP primary, Jerome, you're going to have to cater to these people in some form or fashion. And I like the way you said it. Basically, we're not going to go after Trump. We just kind of hope he loses. But we're not going to really badmouth him either because we know that's going to leave a bad taste in the mouth of a lot of these clowns. So my question to you is, the more people get into the race, I mean, does that benefit Donald Trump? Well, yeah, it always it, it benefited him the first time. It won't benefit him the second time, right? So it won't benefit him the second time, really. No, no, because wow. he has too many people with the same with the same um, um, perspective, right? So think about it this way: this, the, okay, so huh? calling them MAGA Republicans kind of sounds like they belong to Trump. They really don't. That's the Tea Party. That's the good. What's those folks' name? Wow. Doing the McCarthy hearing stuff. That's the same white folks. We keep rebranding white supremacists to different things, and they keep masking it behind politics. It is not anything mm. different. So wow. that okay. thing stays as a, as a um, constant on in this country. I don't care if they're Democrats or Republicans. They, that, that's a constant. So that's always um, a constituency. They're called MAGA Republicans because they bought the hat. Right, like they bought the T-shirts or something, but they're not that mm. because they were Tea Party before. So that's not nothing new to this country, and that is always going to be a base. They used to keep quiet, right? During the Reagan era, they <laughs> they started renaming Democrats as Reagan Republicans, and they were just the racist Democrats that was on that side, right? They were mm. Tea Party MAGA yeah. Democrats, and those guys were Reaganites, is what they called them. So that's not nothing new in this country. It's just that they really? go underground. They're not popular anymore. So when Obama was there, mm-hmm. yeah, they had Tea Party, but it didn't look that big. Once they got permission to come out with Trump, then the neo-Nazi, Proud Boy, all of the, all these factions of those same people started coming out. So don't think mm-hmm. that that's not, not a constant in the country. Um, Nikki Haley and those guys, Nikki, she, and she, she appeals to them, right? And it's just like if you look at Fox News, she fits the 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 profile of when they put women on TV on the Fox side, right? She fits the same profile. So whatever your imaginations are taking you, let them go because that's what they do. So I wouldn't I wouldn't put a lot in that for uh, philanthropy or some kind of some kind of thought of of being they're playing the people who are the ignorant folk to be foot soldiers because rich people won't go out there and picket jack squat they need to rattle rattle up this um constituency to make them go do it you know so even though donald trump really wanted to go to the capitol on january um 6th he really wanted to go but he knows that he is not that dude he's not knocking down nobody's you know, knocking out the windows and stuff. He just wanted a picture of him with all these people who loved him. He's a dictator. He wanted to be Hitler. 
right? He needed mm. people to worship him, and those guys were going to do it. See, wow, you're I like the way that's a drop the mic moment by Mr. Jerome Spree. All right, February is Black History Month, and each uh, edition of on, and on the need to know. Oh, what am I? I'm just so crazy. February is Black History Month. Let's start over. And in four minutes and less, something that you need to know, we're going to feature stories and we're going to talk about things that pertains to the history of our people. Today, we're going to look at what does it mean to be black and should African-Americans receive reparations? It's Kavina time. In four minutes or less, something that you need to know. We'll be right back after this. Don't you go anywhere. You're listening to The Serious Side on the TJRS Radio Network, online radio. And it's back. <laughs> It's a complex question being debated in certain circles amid the ongoing fight for reparations for African Americans. What is black? In some instances, a person can't prove it. In other instances, like during the antebellum years, one had to be one-fourth black. One had to have at least one black grandparent, right, in order to quote-unquote qualify as being black. The U.S. Census Bureau classifies someone as black or African-American as having origins in any of the black racial groups of Africa. There is no America without slave labor. Slave labor was absolutely the backbone of the birth of this republic. From buildings to uh, uh, crops to agriculture, everything that made America prosper happened by the hands of enslaved individuals. And because of that, America owes black folks in this country. I absolutely believe that. Dr. Daniel Black is a professor of African-American studies at Clark Atlanta University. So, of course, in the last several years, people have been talking about reparations for slavery, for enslavement, which I think is a legitimate conversation, of course, to say the least. Of course, the problem is that it's going to get real thick because who exactly are the descendants? Which ones do we count, etc.? And so it gets very, very, very complicated. But I do think the question of reparations is a legitimate question because the question of, of balance and equity in a society is always a legitimate question. Centuries after Africans were first enslaved in the U.S., the long-held definition of who is black is evolving as the community becomes more diverse. I don't know if I would be even considered black enough because I'm, I'm a first-generation Congolese American, so my parents are from Congo, so um, do I qualify as black or do I qualify as African? I am a person that embraces the diaspora, so I don't exclude um, the Caribbean and African nations. We sat down with college students at Clark Atlanta and Georgia State University for their perspective. I think reparations are due, um, but I'm interested to see what it is, its effect would be long-term on things like the economy, things like um, black social mobility, black wealth, and things of that nature. Most, like Malakia Graves, believe this should be a global discussion. And in terms of who should receive it, a lot of times we forget that the uh, enslavement happened not just in North America and the United States, but in the Caribbean and all those places. So even, we have all of those people here, and a lot of us just want to do the ADOS, the American Descendants of Slavery. But if we get Britain in on this and all of the other colonizing uh, countries, 
then everyone who um, was a part of the process should be restored financially. But there are differing opinions on how those funds should be dispersed. I do firmly believe that if we were to get reparations, it should be given on an individual basis. I'm not too much of a fan of just dictating how people spend their money, and I think it's something that should be given freely, somewhat kind of like with the stimulus for the coronavirus. There were not really any stipulations on where the money was spent. It was left up to the individual. However, I do agree that black people as a whole do need more financial learning and kind of preparation with what to do with these sums of money, however much it may be, in order to invest that into whatever areas they seem fit. Others believe the money should go to fund institutions like HBCUs, black organizations, and programs that work to address racial inequity. So I think to some extent, um, reparation has to come in the form of policy changes as well. Um, how much do you allow black people to be that, to, um, to exist in and of themselves? opinions on how the money might best be spent, Dr. Black believes the question of who's black really isn't a difficult one. So the question of who's black at this point, all I ever tell people is, I think black people are those who claim it. If you claim it, right, then I think one absolutely is included in blackness. If you understand that blackness is a part of your cultural inheritance, that blackness is part of your reality, then I think you get to be black. And, and I say get to be black because, quite frankly, a person can choose not to be. And even if one looks black but doesn't want to be, for me, then please don't be. Deidre Dukes, Fox 5 News. The NAACP is committed to equality for all people, especially the equality of foundational black Americans. Every other child gets a chance at economic equality. Every other child gets a chance of living the best life they possibly can. Doesn't he deserve a chance to? Learn more at NAACP.org. Online radio at its best. Well, you kind of match the suspect in the description of what I'm looking for. What's your name? What's your name? Why? Yeah, you do. Yeah, you do. Okay. Well, like I said, just come here. We're trying to figure this out, man. Working out. Dude, what? I'm working out. I'm doing a run. Dude, I just got a call for a family violence. Dude, what's your name, dude? I'm not giving my name. I'm just here working out. Okay, if that's all it is, I just need to get to know. That's not I need to know your I'm name. I'm not giving you my name. I don't have to give you my name. The San Antonio Police Department pulled this on an innocent man. Okay, why are you acting like this, man? Because I'm working out and you're bothering me. I'm being bothered because on a fucking normal run. Because you description of somebody that you trust your girl. I don't care what this is. I just want to do my damn run. All I need to know is your name. Hey, damn, dude, what you do a damn run? All I need to know is any kind of information you got. I don't have any information to get to you. I'm just run. What's your name then? You're not getting that information. Okay, well then you're going to be detained right now. Okay, okay for what? For being a suspect in the until I figure out who you are. I'm going to sit in the back of my car, okay? Because you want to act like that. No, I'm going to be right here. No, you're not. You're going to the back of my car. I'm going to sit right here. I didn't do anything. I want to sit right in the grass. You're going to go in the car. You want to be acting like this? I'm not acting anyway. The, all I need to know is... And then this Wel
leave my business, please, so I have to call real cops. I don't like the waiting hands of that gentleman who's minding his business jogging. You didn't see this in the description. That's the norm that you guys use. I didn't like what he did. Okay. I'm already telling him. I'm already going to be a witness against this gentleman. I already sent this to all the news stations. The mayor knows about it. Okay. Just so you know. Okay, sir. You have your identity. They run into a lawyer and try pulling the you got ID on your stick. live on Facebook for everybody. Welcome back in 347-850-1272. Welcome back into the serious side. It is 52 minutes after the hour. Um, And, uh, you know, that that was kind of hard to make up, but let me kind of set it up for you because I think it's important for you to understand what you just heard. So basically, you know, we used to do a segment on the show called, you know, Living While Black. LWB and uh, what you witnessed or what you heard I should say or at least we hope you heard was an encounter that a young man had with a police officer in San Antonio police officers went up and be white and the black one showed up uh, he didn't really say anything he kind of stayed out of the frame but anyway so this young African American brother was, was on a jog and so someone uh, called the police uh, about a crime and so the police officer approached this young man saying hey you fit the description You've heard this before, right, of, uh, of, a, of a suspect. And so they asked the man his name. He said, I don't have to give you my name. And they asked him for ID. He says, look, I'm on a jog. I don't have that information on me. And so, you know, so the brother did not want to give him the name. And so then he said, okay, well, until you give me your name, I'm going to detain you. And he said, what for? And so then he puts the cuffs on him. And, he, and the guy said, okay, well, I'll just stand right here. I'm not getting the back of your police car. He said, well, you're going to get in the back of the police car. No, I can stand right here while you do what you do. Then they end up pushing him into the police car. What they didn't realize was there was an attorney that witnessed the whole thing. And so the attorney says, look, I'm going to be a witness to what I just saw. He said, let me record because I don't trust you guys. I'm a white guy, and I don't trust you, right? So at the end of the day, I'm going to stand up for this guy. I'm going to represent this guy because what you did to this guy was wrong. All he was doing was jogging, and because he didn't want to uh, uh, appease you guys, so to speak, then you throw him in jail. Just another situation of an African-American just minding his own damn business, and the cops pull up on him and decide that because you don't answer my question, then I'm going to detain you. Let's let's start off there. I know that was a little long, but I wanted you guys to kind of hear, but it was kind of hard to hear. So anyway, let, let me let me start with you, Vanessa. I'm not sure how much of that you heard, but you heard the recap. So your thoughts, please, on this, because at the end of the day, this is not uncommon. It's not uncommon at all. Same story, different day, just day, day. It's just the same story. I'm just sick of it. That's all I can tell you about that. And yes, I had heard about it. And I just shook my head like I'm doing right now. There's, there's nothing, I mean, I don't know. I don't know what we're going to do. Well, I mean, it's, yeah, like somebody over here is saying, breathing while black. I mean, just, <laughs> just, just, just. I, I don't know. I'm speechless with this. I'm so sick of this. That's all I can tell you is I'm just so sick of it. 
But what we can't become is complacent because that's exactly how this continues to go on. Uh, Ms. Delias, it continues to go on because we get to the point where we become numb to these stories. Like, oh, my God, here's another one of these stories. Yeah, it is, because we need to continue to put it in the forefront. We can't continue to sit here and act, oh, well, there's another brother got pulled over by the cops. whoop de do Well, move on, next. No, it's not next. We need to talk about it. And we need to find ways to continue to inform our community of what they need to do if they get pulled over by the cops. We need to continue because we don't know. Someone may be hearing this story for the first time. Someone may be a first-time listener. So they need to understand that we are in tune with what goes on in our community. So, yeah, we're going to talk about it. I don't give a damn if we talk about it 110,000 times. It's going to be talked about. Because at the end of the damn day, we need to make sure our folks know that we're on top of this stuff. So your thoughts, Ms. Elias. You're right, but that is well, what I said when I said I just shook my head like I'm yeah, first and foremost, they violated every right this every every uh right that this man had. You know, first and foremost, they they're not when they stop you, if you don't want to give them your name, that and and you've not committed a crime you're supposed to reasonably articulate and uh your name when you've been co- uh, convicted of a crime. Unless you are, uh, you suspect me of committing a crime, I am not supposed to give you my name and, and, and any, any of that information. I don't have to give you anything because you stopped me. Because you but see, that's your stick, Mr. Elias. They said that they said he fit the description no, I, of a criminal. I don't give a damn. That's still not a right. You don't have a right to stop me because I fit the description. You got to know. You just can't think it. You got to know. You got to know these things. I don't, Vanessa, you cannot violate my civil rights, though. You cannot violate them. That's why we have them. You violate my First Amendment right, my Second Amendment right, my Third Amendment right. You got to reasonably articulate and and give me a reason why. and it's not a reason. You got to have a a a a, a, um, a definite, um, uh, not a reason, but a definite. You got to have a definite thing that a knows that it's me that you're stuck. And so you got to know your you got to know your rights. You got to know your rights, and that's at that that point is dead now. That that was done <laughs> basically because they wanted to. Yeah, well, there was a, they, you know he didn't do anything to them to 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 kill them. So you still got to know your rights. You still got to know your rights because they violated every 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 amendment right that that man had. And you got to you got to tell me why I did this. You got to say what I did. You got to give me the crime that I committed, and you got to tell me I am that person. You for you just to stop me and say, well, you know, I think it's you. You got to give me your information. I don't have to give you nothing. I don't have to give you a damn thing. No, because you stopped me. No. If I'm speeding, but I'm jogging, and you stop me and say, hey, give me your information. I don't need that. And, and then on top of that, I'm going to let you take me to jail. I'm definitely going to let you take me to jail. Because I'm going to go peacefully. I'm going to say, well, if that's what you want to do, take me to jail. Let's go. Because then at that point in time, I'm going to sue your ass. I'm going to sue your department. At that point in time, I'm not going to fight you. I'm going to let you take me to jail. And all, everything that you've just done to me, you violated my and civil then, rights, Jay, and I'm going to sue your ass. best friend doing weird, Jay. Because you cannot do it, it's police you say, Vanessa? They never violate right. We gonna be his best friend when he's sue and win the case. Well, you I mean, cannot, I mean, listen, you I, cannot I, do I, that. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, well, I, get, I mean, I, I mean, listen, Mr. LAS made some valid points. I mean, the bottom line is, is that, you know, at some point in time, we have to have common sense, right? I mean, this guy is jogging. So he fits the description of what, Jerome? He's jogging. He's not trying to run away from the cops. He's just on the jog. And so it kind of reminds me of the Ahmaud Arbery case. Once again, if you're out jogging, I mean, come on, let's use the common sense. Uh, come on, we have to have common sense at some point. If I just robbed somebody and just did whatever, and they never really determined, he never said, well, you know, why he was pulling them over. He just said, hey, I received a call of a suspicious whatever. But at the end of the day, we have to use common sense. This guy's not trying to evade arrest. He's just jogging. So nine times out of ten, he's probably not the guy. But let me ask you this. If a police officer walks up on you and says, hey, what's your name? You can tell him to kick rocks, right? Um, not necessarily. You're not supposed That's what to. I'm trying to figure out. Yeah. Yeah. So I know each, each jurisdiction has very different rules on this, but you do, you're supposed to have ID on you, right? And, but they have to have probable cause. And probable, probable cause is not you fitting a description. So they have to tell you what the probable, probable cause is. And they say, oh, you fit, a, you know, your description. And you say, well, tell me what the description is. And if it's reasonable, then you can say it's reasonable. If it's not reasonable, if they say, hey, we, there was somebody who had a green jacket on and some blue pants and you not wearing that, you can say, no, I'm not giving you any ID. You know that I'm not fitting the description. Right now, you're just harassing me. So you don't technically have to give them anything. But we are black, so... The law is a little vague in saying that they had reasonable suspicion. That's why every time black people get arrested, they don't get arrested for not giving someone something. They'll say you resisted or or stop resisting. Like they'll yell stuff like that out so that their mic can catch them in the camera to say that's what their reason was. Yep, and that's yep, why black yep, people yep, 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 yep. always Yeah, that's why black people always say, I'm not resisting. I'm asking a question. And that's why they always lose their lawsuits. Because they try to make it seem like you committed a separate crime. Well, you, you're impeding our investigation because if you would have told us, then we could have moved on. Nope. The, tr- the, the trick is, is that you have the right to remain silent if you're accused of something. So mm-hmm. if you're accusing me of being that person, you're, it's your job to prove that. It is not my job to help you. So it's very tricky. I asked the... Um, a judge about this years ago, um, and I, at that point, I worked at a law firm, but the judge who I asked about it, I said to him that um, I, I, I saw some friends, I, I saw this guy who I hadn't seen in years, they were standing on the corner with his nephews or something, and the police were st- sitting literally across the street staring at the kids until the kids walked away. So when I got out of the car, I wouldn't move, and I said, why are they doing that? And he goes, my you know, my um, my cousins or um, he's like, they're not selling drugs or anything. And I said, well, why are they leaving? And the police just walked up on them just to harass them. So I asked the judge, what were we supposed to do? And he said, you know, you're supposed to have ID. So if you give him your license and just take it back, I said, okay, now I'm black. And he smiled at me. And he was like, well, you are supposed to have ID. But it's vague after that. You are supposed to have ID. It doesn't mean that you have to give it to them. 
So unless they, if they have probable cause, go get a warrant, right? Like follow me home, whatever, but they can't harass you. It's not a part of the job. They just goat you into doing something so that they can arrest you for something else. So I wouldn't move. I'm- I would not walk away from them, but I would not help them. And make them call a supervisor. And once their supervisor or sergeant gets there, then they will let you go. Because then they know that if it's not something that they can prosecute through a DA's office, they're not going to even they're not going to even grab you. But you know, police can hold you seventy-two hours without charging you. So that's why that's the I'm problem. I'm like Jerome. All of that sounds good, but in Texas, they're just going to arrest your ass and ching ching, yeah. and then you can work but, all of that mess out later. So. That's I fine because you have rogue cops. But in Texas, it's just not going to happen. No, but that's they have rogue cops, right? So they can hold you seventy-two hours without charging you. Yeah. So any policeman can grab you, put the on you. you can give them right. The no, ID. that's what I'm saying, though. If you don't want to go through the hassle, any policeman can arbitrarily put you in cuffs, take you down, take you to um, the public safety building, and then let you go. Anybody can do that at any given time. It's a slave patrol. But they they, I don't know they, they got they can hold you for seventy two hours, but they got to they got to have a probable cause for taking you in, don't they? They just can't come off the street and say, "Well, I'm grabbing him and taking him in." That, that no, they can't charge you. No, they can't charge you. They can hold you. They, they can, can hold, hold you. But they got to give. They got to charge. They got to give me a charge of why they're holding me, right? Nope. They can hold you and then let you go. They can say, Ooh, you, you my bad, we were wrong. You can sue them at that point in time, though, right? You sure can. Yep, because that's, uh, uh, that's uh, unlawful detainment. That's kidnapping. So I, I, so I, 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 I took that for 72 hours. You're right. I would, but I'm suing. Give me my money. Yeah. At 72 hours, that's, that's, I work for less money than that for 72 hours. So, so most of the time when they do that, they do that to people who they don't think have resources to get a lawyer or have any kind of, you know, um, repercussions from that. But you can sue them because that's technically kidnapping. You cannot – the police cannot go grab you, put cuffs on you, and then take you in. They have, So they're going to lie. They're going to lie. That's why you can't move. Like, you can't do anything. Oh, he tried to leave. He tried to evade. He tried to – governmental obstruction. Like, they will make up all of these terms. But as long as you now have – they have body cams now. Once they figure out that mm-hmm. you were just detained unlawfully, then you can sue them. Mm-hmm. They're not so- – that. Like most of the policemen don't get the memo that they are not prosecutors and they're not paralegals. Like they don't know law. They just know what to make up just to get you in that car or just to harass you. So like I don't and like the way you're talking. Best. That's why I didn't, I didn't see the, the video of what Jay played, but it's probably why the second cop would not get into the frame because mm-hmm. he knew they were wrong. So, a policeman is talking to you to bait you to say something to give them probable cause. So, so stop talking. Yeah, that's that's the best thing you could do. This hey, look like I had the right to remain silent, and I'm choosing my Fifth Amendment right and just keep quiet and let me keep talking. But then, if you want right. to arrest me, I put my hand behind my back and let you arrest me. And at that point right. in time, I'm going to sue you. That's the best yep. thing you could so, do. Yep. So that's what he did, did though. They, that's what he did. That's he, what they try he, to do. They try to frustrate you, bring more policemen there just to intimidate you, but keep your mouth shut. So, mm-hmm. but you said they did arrest him? 
Well, they did. I mean, that's what they did. You know, because the guy, he was like, hey, you know, I don't have any ID on me, and, and he's, I'm not telling you my name. So the guy said, okay, well, until I find out who you are, I'm going to go ahead and detain you. He's like, for what? And then he said, okay, I'm good here standing on the streets. I'll sit in the grass. No, you're going to get in the back of my cruiser. And then that's when they forced him in the cruiser. And that's when the attorney who witnessed the whole thing said, hey, no problem. I got you. And then he said, I don't trust cops because that guy was minding his own business. And you guys, right. and the guy, and this is the term that he used. He said, and you guys uh, assaulted him by throwing him in the back of your, uh, mm-hmm. of your police, uh, police car. And he said, right. hey, and then so they started asking questions. He said, I'll tell you my name. As a matter of fact, you want to arrest me too? They didn't even touch him. He said, I'm going to turn I don't tell you nothing. And they left him alone. Right. You know? Right, because he because he identified himself as an attorney. They knew they were going to get sued. Right? Mm-hmm. So there's nothing that you can see. It's it's For black people, there's nothing we can do about this because they are breaking the law, mm-hmm. causing their city to pay all these this money in damages, and they don't care individually. They have a lot of psychosocial paths on the police department. So what happens is that those guys, a little too much testosterone, will come up and feel like they are the authorities of your life, you know. Mm-hmm. And once once you tell them that you know your rights one way or another, you're going to either, A, you, first of all, first thing you should ask for is a superior. Who's, your, who's the sergeant? Who's the supervisor? Who is in charge? Because patrolmen are guessing until somebody else makes the call to tell them that they can't arrest you. That's why even when they detain you, they still have to call somebody else because they don't know enough or they don't know the law. So their supervisors or sergeants or lieutenants have to – there's always a supervisor who's responsible for the patrolman. So you ask to see them first. As soon as they start talking, you, you say, hey, just bring your superior, bring your sergeant. Well, I'm just asking a question, and I'm, a- and I'm asking you one. I'm not talking um, until you bring somebody here with authority. Now, they can detain you, but – to Vanessa's point that they can still arrest you, I'm telling you, somebody has to make the decision on the arrest. They're detaining for a superior officer to tell them if it's lawful because those guys are not the DA. The DA is the only office that can bring charges. So the police actually detain you until somebody makes a, um, makes a decision that they can charge. And most of the time the DA just says, oh, we can't, you know, we can't charge them for this or whatever. They just throw up a bunch of charges until somebody kicks them down. So just ask to speak to a superior. I mean, it does not work in our cases because if you're in poor areas, those police officers are usually pretty unlawful anyway. <laughs> so um, I think I told that story before. I was in Houston after a Prince concert, and uh, a policeman came and grabbed me coming out of a um, uh, convenience store um, and he asked me did I pay for a soda or something like just drink and um, what? And I told him, told him get his hands off me I said you can go in the store and ask them but you need to get your hands off me and he it was so many people outside he took a step back and said I, I am not touching you because if I wouldn't have gave him no resistance it would have been like oh yeah I did th-. forget that right so everybody handles that stuff differently but if there was my cousin kept saying, if he would have seen your New York license, then he would have probably acted a lot different, you know. But <laughs> the fact that I 
had a little bit of resistance and there were so many witnesses, then he had to be wow. careful. That was before body cam. But, yeah, if you don't have yeah. any witnesses, you need to be really careful. You can get arrested easy. Wow, that was before body cam. And, yeah, because Prince, Prince died when? But Prince has been dead for about four okay, years now. don't try to blow me out of the water. It was a Prince story. No, 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 no. I'm just. Uh, the summit. And imagine how long the no. summit was gone. The summit. Oh, wow. Well, that's even. Okay, well, you no, just dated it when you said the summit. summit. <laughs> I mean, my goodness. It hasn't been the summit in I don't know how long. Oh, my God. That was. It was at the summit. No, that was a long time ago. That had to be in the 90s, man. Good gracious, because the, the summit hasn't. Is it? Oh, wow. That's a, a name we haven't heard oh, in a long time. The summit. The Houston <laughs> summit. Where the yeah, Rockets like used to play. Now it's. Uh, now it's uh, what is it now, Vanessa? The, uh, the 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 pastor with the long hair and the blonde wife, Joel Joel Osteen. I told yeah, you. Yeah, that's his church. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, fake, fake fake Jesus. I know who that is. That's a that's yeah yeah yeah. Joel Osteen. <laughs> yeah, they, they bought that place and turned it turned it into a church, a mega church, the summit. Yeah. No. Interesting. Yeah, turning it into the Guyana tragedy in Houston, right? Jim Jones. Oh yeah, I mean he that's a leg. Place so that so, so that he yeah. don't have, so that so that Jay don't get too much mail. Alleged cult of uh, Osteen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Thank <laughs> yeah. you. Yeah, but you know what? I when I would be on the airplane, people would say, "Have you ever been to Joe Osteen's church? I just love him. I mean, he is. People love him. Yeah. Well, they they yeah. do. They they do. Usually but, but charismatic. You know, yeah, he's charismatic Later. and he's a um, snake oil sa- salesman who's a Trump supporter. So just look at the person, and every time they say to you, "I like Joe Osteen," ask them, "Do they like Trump?" And say, "How can you not like Trump liking Joe Osteen?" Because he loves him. I Work don't that get out. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Because again, we let our guards down. We let our guards down for people who want to kill us just because they're nice. If he's supporting that, we need to be consciously conscious and aware of that. And it's a part of black history that when we're not learning history, we keep repeating the same mistakes. Don't let the people who want to yeah. kill you, um, don't feed them. Yeah, that's true. You're absolutely correct about that. All right, we're going to still take a break. Three four seven eight five zero one two seven two is the caller number. We'll be right back. And it's time for Mariana Music's Corner Part 1. You listen to the serious side. We'll be right back. The serious side continues after a short break. It is the best Sunday morning online radio show, period. Hi, I'm Jay, the host of The Serious Side of the TGRS, and I'm asking you to come join me and my friends for some serious conversation before you go to church. It's The Serious Side of the TGRS. Happens every Sunday morning, 9 a.m. Central Standard Time, right here on the BTR Radio Network.
you're looking at me. I'm telling you, these these are my guys. These these guys have been with me for ten years. They're working on a project for me. So he gets in his car and he goes to the local Home Depot, and when he gets there, it is a sight to see. Because what he did was it was cool how he set him up. So basically, what he did was he came in, and so he got there. He grabbed two candy bars and he asked his guys to go ahead and pay for the candy bars. He told the other cashier, he said, hey, man, I'm going to take this candy. A lot of people starting to come around. I just want to get in and get out. He said, these guys will take care of it for me. And the guy said, no problem, no problem. So Tyreek walked out of the store with the candy bar. However, he had to come back because the cashier's supervisor, some white girl, decided that, no, no, you need to come back and you need to show us your ID. And so the thing that was so amazing about this whole back and forth, and I'll try to get the audio queued up so you can hear a little bit of a little bit of it. But basically, he showed up at the Home Depot to confront the lady at the register. The supervisor showed up. The supervisor was. It's funny if you go watch the video because the supervisor's kind of looking like, hey, you know what? I don't want none of this smoke, and uh, we're gonna let him. He he let his little associate take bullets from Tyreek. And so what a lot of people are asking is, was Tyrese Gibson wrong for going to the Home Depot and he called the woman a racist and a Karen? He said, there's no reason why I had to come in here when you're talking to me. I'm FaceTiming you. I was in there earlier with some guys. You saw me, but yet you're going to make me come back in here, show my ID, and I'm talking to you on the phone. He says, oh, by the way, guess what? The person that owns Home Depot, he's my neighbor. So you don't have to give me your name. Trust me when I tell you. When I get back to Atlanta, it's on and popping. So the question here is, was he wrong for doing this? Should he just should he have just said, hey, you know what? I'm good. No problem. I'll come back down. Is it a situation where because he's a celebrity, he felt that, okay, look, they'll pay for it. They have my information. I don't know. You tell me. Let's let's let me start with you, Vanessa. You think he was wrong with that? I mean, because you know, and I'm not really doing it justice. I'm trying to get the clip up. My my apologies. I had the wrong clip, but basically that's what happened. And he confronted the young lady. He was like, "Look, bottom line is, is that this is racist. I'm FaceTiming you. You see me. It's me. So was he wrong? Was he too? Was he being petty?" He yes. was being petty. Wow. Wow. A lot of times wow. when, just hear me, sometimes when famous people would make reservations, um, they made reservations under, an, had somebody else make it under another name. Like um, Barbara Bush had Barbara, whatever her maiden name was. But we knew it was Barbara Bush because her husband, George Bush, made the reservation. So I say all of that to say, if you, Tyree, you rich, I don't give a damn who you are, you should not be entitled to any more, anything, any different than anybody else. Sheila Jackson Lee always thinks that she has to be able to walk up to the front of the line, that she does not have to wait in line with other people to go and get on an airplane. So I say all of this to say, just because you're rich and you're famous, you can't do anything any different. Bobby, on my Home Depot account, 
so that a card would come in his name because Bobby could not use my Home Depot card to go up to the store to pick up stuff. It was my account. Tyree ass ain't no different than nobody else. He was wrong. He should have went up there. It shouldn't have been a problem. It, it, that's wrong. It's wrong. Okay. Bobby couldn't use All right, card. I had to get So No, no, wait a minute. So if you got your boys doing this stuff for you and you trust them, then put one of your boys, give him a credit card to you. Okay. All right. But, but, okay. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Let me let me let me jump in here real quick because here's the deal. You know, here's the deal. So basically, what happened was he was up there, and so he grabbed two candy bars, and so and here's what here's his point. His point is why did one cashier let me walk out of the store? I didn't pay for this candy. I said, hey man, my guys, everybody's starting to crowd around. Y'all don't want the disruption. Look. They'll pay for it. And the other one said, okay, no problem. But then she comes back and says, no. She said, no, he needs to come back up here and show ID. ID for what? Candy balls? No, no, because they also bought more stuff. You know. They bought more stuff. So he was in there with them. They got the stuff. He took two candy bars and walked out. And he talked to the cashier, and the cashier said it was cool. But then she came in, I guess witnessing all this, and now it ain't cool. You need to come back in here and show your ID because they're using your credit card. And he called and FaceTimed and said, look, this is me. I was just in there. You I'm authorizing FaceTime it. You can somebody and say that's me, Jay? Okay. I'm just asking. I'm just asking, Vanessa. I'm just asking. I'm just asking. I'm telling you it's a okay. people on the corner. Of my neighborhood, okay. and Bobby can't use mine and FaceTime and say, Vanessa, would you FaceTime them and tell them that I can use your credit card? Yo, yeah, what? but you were, were you in? But were you in there? Were you it in the store? It doesn't matter if I was. It okay. doesn't All right. matter, right. if, if Vanessa. I was in okay. Two hours ago. It doesn't okay. matter. Okay, Vanessa, I'm not gonna argue with you, Jerome. Let me ask you, man. What, what do you think, bro? That was wrong. No, he, he, ain't he wasn't wrong. Like, the, the whole thing was um, he had gone into this time, the person who he just saw, the, the supervisor, yeah. and told them that somebody else was in there purchasing. So how that works generally when you have an account with stores is that it's like having an account with a bank. It's why and for years I only went to banks that I knew the branch manager because I hated um, – I don't know why. I don't think I hated. I just didn't like – the showing the ID and all of that stuff because if they know you, they don't ask you for ID. They're just right. verifying who you are. So since he had already been in there, they know who he is, and he authorized them to make a purchase on whatever his account is. And so you can right. do and that. He needs to make him as an authorized person. On look, no, I work no. in retail. I work in no, retail. He should and have. That's Bonnie, what the airlines does. What he should have done. Home Depot like it ain't nothing. What he should have you, done is I gone to Lowe's. You, I can't FaceTime him. <laughs> That's what he should have did. What he should have done is go to Lowe's. Like, we're all old enough to know <laughs> that. I, shoot, I used to use my mom's credit card. Lowe's ain't going to let you do it either, Jerome. What world are you in? This is the world got, of theft. This is the right. world now of theft. They're not going to no, let you do that in Lowe's? No, no, it's not. <laughs> No, 
it is not, okay. Vanessa. Okay. I, All right, I'm telling you that they're mitigating their loss, right? But they have, in, they have insurance. It's like going to a bank. If you go to a bank and they're saying you have to – there's a bank here. I don't know if you guys have it, but there's a bank called yeah, I'm Key Bank. I'm going to give you it's my credit of, card. Um, put, it's out of I'm Ohio. And so I went to their bank with a check that was drawn off their bank, and they asked me – you know, since I don't have a credit card, they wanted to put my thumbprint on the on the check. And I said, you don't need my thumbprint. And they were like, no, it's our policy. Now, in New York State, a lot of the social services stuff goes through that particular bank. So they're collecting everybody's thumbprint on a doggone bank. Well, I was on the board with one of the VPs of that bank, and I happened to be in that building. I called upstairs, and I said, the branch manager is asking me to do this. Can you verify who I am? And she laughed, and she called down there. And he was like, no, we do that to everybody. I said, that could be against the law. Why are you guys collecting fingerprints on everybody? Oh, we need to verify you. Y'all can bite me with all that. You're not losing that much money to be creating personal data. What, you want to swab their mouths next? Right? You hmm. have, how Visa and MasterCard works is that that is insurance. So in case fraud... Your insurance is Visa and MasterCard. That's what those companies are. They're insurance companies. You can't mitigate your insurance risk by accusing everybody of stealing because somebody stole from you. It is not our job hmm. to do that. We're in a society that we're giving up too much data. That's why every time somebody has a, you know, a security breach, everybody's information is spread all over the world. It's not their job to keep your data secure. They're, that's an internal issue. So you, you know can what? push back against that. You can push back yeah, against it. Tyrese was in that store, saw the branch, saw this, the manager, talked to a cashier, obviously, that said, oh, I can recognize you from the music you make. That is Tyrese. So he gave authorization because he was there, and she still tried to run his ass through a mill. And this happens to black people all the time because that woman felt she had power she was trying to impress that upon Tyrese. So I don't care if he's an entertainer or not. Or not. If you know and you've been in, those, uh, in a store where the person literally recognizes you, that is a form of, um, that's not ID, but that is recognizing the person. She asked him oh, for yeah. ID like that police asked the guy for ID. Well, my because it's a power play. I don't want them using my car. I don't want Bobby Haynes up there using my car without me knowing about it. So I don't care yeah. if they see me and Bobby Haynes. But, 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 but Vanessa, you lying. But, but Vanessa, yeah. Vanessa, 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 listen. Lady, listen, you, you say that, but I said my, my kids take my card all the time. Because they take right. it, they use it, they can put their little uh, the little uh, the code in. They don't get harassed about, oh, we're, we're, we're. come on. He was just up there. But didn't you hear him say that he had bought a lot more stuff? So if our kids are but he was there, just they find up there, Vanessa, he was just oh, there. The, oh, the only God. lot more I'm stuff that gonna, he bought was a couple of candy bars. But you know what? what he said. What now, he said was, with him about two candy balls is a different thing, but that girl yeah, but it's not a different I don't think it was about trying to show prestige. I don't. It was huh? a power play. Like, it was a power okay. play. I agree with Jerome. It was. It was. A power it was. 
He brought the two candy bars just to add something else on the bill. He's saying, I'm offering yeah. this two candy bars along with all of that stuff. Too. I said I thought that was wrong. I do. But I don't think it's wrong that the girl wouldn't let him FaceTime her for approval of his card. He, and I don't Vanessa, think he's wrong. He I FaceTime don't care her. about credit cards being insured. Okay. I don't. Because guess what? It's a <laughs> lot of trouble to get this stuff undone. Oh, listen. I, I, I guarantee you. Yeah. I guarantee you she gets disciplined. I guarantee that. Yeah. I guarantee oh, yeah. Home Depot is probably going to fire her. I yeah. guarantee that. More than likely. Yeah. Because she only has your thoughts, man. Yeah. I, I I think she's a Karen to be honest. <laughs> that's what he called it, like, a Karen. Yeah, I mean, my my nephews, my nieces, everybody. I mean, if I if I give you my card and I'm telling you it's okay for them to use it, knock yourself out. I remember when I was a youngster, my mother used to send me to the bank uh, for her, and because they knew who she was, hey, go go ahead. What did your mother need? Okay, go knock yourself out. All right. So I used to buy cigarettes for my daddy, and I was 12, but that don't happen now. No, I'm saying at the <laughs> bank, the bank, Vanessa, the bank. I would go to the bank. That was a different mother, time. Though, and she would get, yeah. Yeah, well, you know, still, even, even to, when, when my mother got older and she couldn't get out, I would go to the bank yeah. for her. My name wasn't on her account. And yeah. they, they knew who I was. They knew who my mother was. So, I mean, yeah, I was a power point. I was another point. Yeah, I, I right still have the power I used to sign for my mom all the time. What, how you do that legally is I would sign her name and initial mine to let them know that I wasn't her. But since I had the authority to uh. do it, and I still do that at the bank, they know that I can actually sign for her. So all you have yeah. to do is initial it legally to verify that you're not the person that you're signing for, but you're signing on their behalf. That's how it works. Absolutely. There you go. You're absolutely right about that. All right, it's time to step out, take a break. We'll be right back after this. You're listening to the serious side of the J. Rouse show. Control by a 
online radio at its best. Back in three four seven eight five zero one two seven two. It is the serious side of the J-Rod Show on a beautiful Sunday morning. Glad you guys are here with us. It's uh, forty minutes before, uh, forty minutes after the hour, twenty minutes before the top of the hour. I'm J-Rod. Thank you guys for being here. I'm never here by myself. Let me introduce you to my family who happens to be here with me as well. Let me say good morning to Miss Vanessa Maybell. Good morning, Vanessa. How are you? <laughs> good morning, y'all. Just because you do it don't mean it's right. Good morning. <laughs> More kisses to you as well. Smartest man in the world, Mr. Jerome is in the house. Good morning, Jerome. How are you, sir? Hey, good morning. I'm good. Doing good, man. How you doing? Doing all right. The man who gets the first and last word here on the serious side, the one and only Mr. L to the E to the S, man. Good morning. How are you, sir? Well, good morning, good morning, good morning to you, and Juan. Good morning, Nessa, Juan. Good morning, Kathleen, Juan. Good morning, little sister, Juan. Good morning, Rodea, Juan. Good morning, Mama B, Juan. Good morning, Mariana Music. And Mariana Music, that first song was Alfonso Blackwell, and it was called Love No Limit. And the last song was by uh, Felipe, and it's called Look in the Mirror. And good morning, my brother Hawk, and good morning, my brother Jerome. Mr. Elias, can we say hello to some people in the chat room, if you don't mind, sir? Yes, we got the world-famous Covina man in there with us. Ah, the world-famous, my man, Mr. Covina man. My brother out there. I think he's on the West Coast, man, too, man, so we always appreciate you, brother. You've been there for the ride, and that's one brother. I've had the, you know, I've had the, the, the fortunate, I have the fortune of meeting some a lot of our listeners, uh, you know, last one I met was Real Delia. Had a real great time with her. I definitely want to meet that guy there, uh, Kavina, man. So hopefully one day we'll have that connection, brother. I love that guy. Love him. Appreciate him. He was a rebel when he first got here, man, but he still is. I love him, but it's a controlled rebelness. Kavina, <laughs> 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 man, being there, boy, talking crazy to people. I'm like, oh, my God, who is this? <laughs> I'm joking. Oh, my God. That's my guy, man. I love Kavina, man. I want to say what's up to the pastor. What's that, the pastor? Appreciate you in more ways than you'll ever know. Uh, Fernando, Reg, uh, what's happening to you? Don't know you personally, but I just want to call you Reg. Some people get upset. Maybe I should call you Reginald, but I'm going to call you Reg. What's up? Uh, Reggie, how about that? What's up, Reg? What's going on? Ant- Antoine, Juan, Antoine, I'm calling you by your nicknames. It's Nickname Sunday. What's up, T? What's up, T? I'm calling you guys by your nicknames. Uh, just having a little fun here on a beautiful Sunday. Glad you guys are here. Let's jump into this last segment for the morning. Online radio at its best. This morning, new details in a deadly shooting rampage that left six people dead, rocking the small town of less than 300 residents in northern Mississippi. The surveillance video, part of the police investigation, showing the suspect at a convenience store where he shot one man, investigators say had no connection to him. Authorities say the 52-year-old gunman, Richard Dale Crum, knew several of the other victims, including his ex-wife and stepfather. The shooting spree spanned three separate locations in Arkabutla, about 30 miles outside of Memphis, over the course of several hours on Friday. We responded to that call when another call comes in that there had been a shooting at a residence. Officials say Crum drove from the convenience store to his ex-wife's house, fatally shooting her before continuing to a residence next to his own home and killing four other people, including a man authorities believe was his stepfather. Crum is now in custody. Mississippi Governor Tate Reeves tweeting, quote, we believe he acted alone. His motive is not yet known. 
And this was at least the eighth mass shooting in America just since this past Sunday, and at least the 73rd since the start of the new year. That's according to the Gun Violence Archive. That's an average of more than one mass shooting every single day this year. Overnight, President Biden released a statement saying, enough. He's calling on Congress to pass gun reform legislation because, quote, we owe action to American communities being torn apart by gun violence. Eva. You know, Jerome, man, uh, we talk about something that's redundant. We talk about something that, uh, you know, that concerns us all. You know, one of the profound moments for me, and I'm not going to say profound moments, but one of the lasting images of President Obama's presidency is when he stood up after Sandy Hook and he gave that speech about gun violence and he had tears in his eyes. You know, man, and we thought that the killing of 26 you know, two teachers and 24 third graders, children. We thought that that would make a change. And every time someone gets killed by gun violence, you know, we everybody's up in arms. But nothing happens. It continues to go down, and it continues, you know, it just continues. Do you think in your lifetime you'll ever see any significant gun legislation that will curb this and stop this nonsense? We're talking about a a mass shooting every day this year. When you do the averages, it just, I mean, it just defies logic. What say you? Yeah, I don't, I don't think anything's going to change it because we are a gun fanatic country, and um, the change has to be in how you, how you deal with society, not necessarily the guns as well. So nobody wants to change anything. We don't even like to update history, even when we know the truth. We won't deal with that. We just want people to remain as narrow-focused as their parents and their great-grandparents and whatever. So nobody's going to change their mentality, so they won't change how they handle guns. And now we don't know how to handle conflict. So I don't think it's going to change. Wow, that's a great answer. Not to what I was hoping to hear, but it was, I like, like the way you articulate that. Let me ask you, Vanessa, do you think we'll ever see any type of uh, significant uh, legislation that will help curb this, or we just – just happen just to, you know, just hope that you're not caught up in this because you never know. Just never know. Uh, I think it's probably going to happen, but I guess I'll be so old by the time it happened that it, I'll just be, you know, won't have any effect on me. But I, I just don't think it's going to be any time soon. I just don't. I mean, let me give you an example. You got Abbott who's sitting up here saying um, what all he's going to do. And we're having, we've had two, three different gun shootings and massive shootings in the state of Texas, and he still ain't did nothing, but loosened up the gun rules. So I just don't think it's going to be anytime soon, like not in the next, like, eight years. I don't. Because you got the last two years of this, we pray that the Republicans don't get it in four because that would make it six. So I, I just, I don't yeah. And we can't get rid of Abbott in Texas. We just can't get rid of him. Yeah. yeah. All right, Mr. Elias, same question for you, my brother. Do you think we'll ever see any type of real legislation that can curb this nonsense? No, not 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 even close to it. As long as a dollar that be made, man, there's never going to be any gun legislation. So let's call it what it is. Money rules the world, baby. So the bottom line is the, the, the NRA is not going to let the gun legislation get passed for sensible. And, and most Americans, I'm a gun advocate. I, I, I got guns. 
but I believe that there should be common sense gun laws passed because, you know, people always tell me, you know, like I had the argument with uh, whatever that cat's name is, uh, the, 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 the guy used to be in our chat room, and I, I, the, 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 there's a law that when you go to a gun show, as long as I'm selling a gun at the gun show, I can sell it to anybody I want to. Don't have to have a license. Don't have to have anything. I don't even, I don't even have to check this guy's background to sell it. That's called a gun show loophole. People look it up. So as long as there's a dollar to be made, people are going to sell guns. And the way I watched Michael K. Williams, God rest his soul, we had a guy in Atlanta. This guy would drive from Atlanta to New York to sell guns. And he would buy 20 or 30 guns at a time. And when he got to New York, he would sell those guns to, to people in New York, and and he would make he would make money. I'm talking twenty to thirty thousand dollars off these guns. And the same thing with Indiana, Illinois to Indiana. All the Illinois residents got to do is go over there and have somebody from Indiana buy the gun, and they they can go they can sell it to whoever they want to. And there's no there's no backlash for that. So if I sell you a gun, I need to know you need to to track that gun and. The way that the, the government has the gun tracking system set up, it's not on a computer. It's done on cards. <laughs> so you can't even track it. So as long as there's a dollar to be made, this will never happen in our lifetime. Well, we'll be right back after this. After committing himself to a life of public service all over the world, Jimmy Carter, the 39th president, has opted to spend his final days at home in Plains, Georgia. There, the 98-year-old is receiving hospice care and spending time with family. An Iranian television station in London has been forced to close its doors, fearing its staff was at risk from the regime in Tehran. As Robbie Griffiths reports, police say they too are concerned. British police say they have foiled over a dozen plots by Iran to kidnap or kill those it considers enemies of the regime since the start of last year. Several of these plans were targeted at employees of Channel, Iran International. A man was filmed last week using a camera outside the station's studios in West London. He has now been charged with terrorism offences. Police said they couldn't guarantee the safety of the 100 journalists working on the channel. It is now moving its headquarters to Washington, D.C. Iran International claims to have 30 million viewers in Iran and around the world. Iran has accused Saudi Arabia of funding the channel. Robbie Griffiths, NPR News, London. A Los Angeles auxiliary bishop has been found dead at his Hacienda Heights home. David O'Connell was 69 and served the city for 45 years as a priest, then bishop. Michael Modica with the Los Angeles County Sheriff's Office says police arrived at the scene yesterday. It was learned that the person was found deceased in the room, bleeding, with what we believe is an apparent gunshot wound to his upper torso. Police would not comment on the circumstances of the shooting. Mourners have held a candlelight vigil for O'Connell. It's NPR News. On the Code Switch podcast, conversations about race don't start and stop with the news cycle. We know that race is always relevant, and we have new topics, new voices, and new stories for you every single week. Listen to the Code Switch podcast from NPR. Listen to this podcast sponsor-free on Amazon Music with a Prime membership or any podcast app by subscribing to NPR News Now Plus at plus.npr.org. That's plus.npr.org.
Alright folks, it is time for Pastor Steve State Your Case where we read comments from the world famous chat room and from social media sites that we follow during the course of the show. Mr. Elias, man, you have anything you want to add to this segment? No, sir, I do not. Alright, well I have a few here. Let me read a few, which is good because we're running out of time anyway. Alright, so let me go ahead and add something here. Uh I wanna okay, first of all, Pastor Steve, he says, Peace and blessings, family, special shout out to you, Jay, and I want you to know that the prayer warriors are hard at work praying for your baby Alexis and her beloved Lewis. Thank you, my friend, for reaching out. Pastor, I appreciate you, man. Thank you so much for those kind words. Fernando, uh, San Antonio, uh, says, yo, make it easier on yourself. Just comply with the officer and then sue their ass. Just sue the blank out of their ass, okay? Don't end up like Sandra Bland, and that's a good point. Uh, Reggie from Ohio says, uh, sounds like Miss Vanessa is hating. <laughs> And uh, let's do one more. Antoine from Decatur says, Jay is right. My kids use my card all the time. Uh, and on that note, you know what time it is. Online radio at its best. All right, folks, it is uh, time for our final thoughts. And ladies are first, Miss uh, Vanessa Maybell, final thoughts. Uh, Jay, I hope your daughter is doing okay. And, um, Thank you. Family is through all of these tragedies that has uh, occurred with that accident. Condolences to all. Um, uh, if y'all want to think I'm hating, y'all know by now that I've I don't care. Just because people do stuff and get away with it does not mean that it's right. It just doesn't. And these are different times. And it's okay, moving on from that because I don't care about home people and what people do with their cards. Um, if the officer tells you to do something, I don't care that if they got the right, do have the right, don't have the right. Because you're gonna be still, your parents are gonna be arguing that why you did. Just do what the officer asks you to do. If you are a female, at the sound of my voice, and a police officer pulls you over, <clears throat> just park where there's some light. Move, you know, make sure that you exit and you put it to a lot where there's some light or where there are witnesses. Other than that, I'm living off my insurance money because I wanted to do what was right because I'm black. Um, so just do what's right. And y'all have a good week. And I won't be here next week because I'm going to be able to love those Princess Ruby. So y'all have a good one. Talk to you all in the Be safe, Vanessa. Thank you so much. Mr. Jerome, Street Man, final thoughts? <clears throat> well, I just want to say that... Um, you know, to your point on the Home Depot. Oh, and, you know, my condolences to you and your family, Jay. Um, I normally don't like to say Appreciate stuff it. like that over the air, but I just want you to know that, um, you know, you're definitely in my prayers, you and your, your family, your daughter, um, for your loss. Thank you. Um, that's always Thank horrible you. to lose anybody. So my prayers are to you. Um, Thank you, sir. Also, yes, I just wanted to say on that, um, you know, just when you're out, there are always two rules. There's one for black folks and one for everybody else. And when you're Tyrese or somebody who at least has a high profile, you have to fight for that because those of us who don't, 
will always pay the price for you not standing up. So shout out to Tyrese, um, Tyrese for doing that. And uh, make sure that when you can, you need to stand up because everybody else is still paying the price because none of these police officers or people who work at all of these um, companies, they don't feel the repercussions for their actions. So I just wanted to make sure I put that out there to say a big up to him for, for standing up and being heard. And that's it. See you guys next week. All right. All right. Sounds good. Uh, Mr. L.S. Man, final thoughts. Look, man, um, we've been gone for a week, but, hey, man, my, my thoughts and prayers are with my niece, Alexis, and I I, I absolutely did uh, adore her uh, boyfriend because this guy, this guy was very uh, respectful. Every time I talked to him, yes, sir, no, sir, and, and that's trying to find the kid, in the kids of today. So, you know, my thoughts and prayers were my niece and through this trying time and know that uncle will be there soon, baby. I'll be there soon. We need to get, you know, get together so I can hug and hold you and take you out to dinner and just have a conversation, baby. Appreciate that. You know, as a parent, uh, when you have children, um, you know, you don't get a, you don't get an instruction manual. <clears throat> you don't know what to do and how to do it. You're just winging it pretty much. And you just hope that you do the very best that you can. You hope that your kids make good decisions. You hope your kids are the best kids in, on the face of the planet. And you hope that your kids don't get in trouble with the law and just do all the things that you envision for your kids to be. You hope that your kids get married, have kids, they have great people that they come across, that they marry into the right family. And uh, you just hope and pray that that's the case. Well, my daughter was on her way uh, uh, with, with that situation. But unfortunately, like everyone has just said, uh, she lost uh, this young man uh, who was just the love of her life. And I tell you something, I didn't know I was going to feel the way I felt either because I was really looking forward to this young man being my, my son-in-law. So to Lewis's parents, uh, I appreciate how you embraced my daughter, making her feel like she's a part of you. I'm just forever grateful for that. It's to my baby. Daddy's going to be there, and Daddy's going to always be there. I love you so much, and I just wish that I could do something to take the pain away because I just can't. So I'm talking to you today, but I'm really talking to you for tomorrow. Just two will pass, sweetheart. you got to be strong, and you got to know that you got a family that loves and cares about you. And on that note, Mr. Elias, if it's uh, Sunday, we're talking serious stuff. What time is it, my friend? It's time for the serious side of the J. Brown Show. Folks, make sure you, folks, make sure you buckle up when you're out driving about. And so for Vanessa, for uh, Jerome, for Mr. Elias, I'm J. Brown saying have a wonderful work week. Be safe. And remember, if it's Sunday, we're talking serious stuff. It is the serious side. God bless. And, uh, we'll see you next week. This is God's, this is God's will. And on that note, you know what time it is. Five, four, three, two, one. The first lady dazzles on election night in a... Tell me, what do you want me to do? Pledge allegiance to, to the flag of the United States of America. Well, folks, Jan, step outside. I'm in a place, and right now we're going to, on a need to know basis, but I'm very own. Mr. Jerome Esprit. So, Jerome, what's on the docket today, my friend? Man, this is going to be a class of critical race theory. I'm just joking. <laughs> 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 
<laughs> Whenever I hear somebody say that, I'm like, the truth got to be hurting people's feelings these days. Since we missed a little bit of our black history, we're going to definitely put a little bit more black history month in the program today. So before I get started with that, all right, we didn't talk, we don't usually talk about sports, but did you see the Super Bowl? Yes, I did. I know we didn't do Super Bowl picks, but wasn't, for me, it was hard pulling for who I, I we, we did say who we thought was going to win, but, yeah. you know, wasn't it hard to pull for one side or the other? Yeah, 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 because it was yeah. either or out of the You know, some I'm a Chiefs fan for my heart, but... I, I'd have been okay if Philly had won because it's my quarterbacks. My quarterbacks, you know, I'm just I'm I'm cool with that, you know. Uh-huh. And and Jalen Hurd played his hard. I will give him credit. That, that guy played. His, he played a great game, man. Wow, just great, you know. Yeah. But yeah, it was rough. Yeah. And that that was my problem, right? So Jalen Hurts played so well that I wanted him to get the ball back. You know, like at the end of that last second thing. But Mahomes would have been criticized so much for losing that I didn't want him taking yeah. criticism for losing. <laughs> it was weird. Exactly. It was, exactly. So I think I would I would be feeling the same way if Philly won like I do mm-hmm. with Casey. It was just a weird thing. Exactly. All right. I just, I just wanted to know was I the only one because it was just kind of no, like you No. Yeah. No, I'm a, I'm like I said, I'm a Chiefs fan to my heart. Been there since the '90s when they were losers, but man, I I, I feel some type of way because Jalen Hurt was a black quarterback, man. They they were talking about getting rid of him and all this other stuff. And he brought his game on, man. And the time, all the white right. all the white people talking about, oh, he's never gonna be this, he's never gonna be that. Now he's doing this thing, you know. And I, yeah. and, I and I you know and, I, and I'm looking at. You know, speaking of the NFL, uh, how they doing black coaches now? Hell, and the enemy has won uh, two yeah. Super Bowls in the last two years, and the last three years, or four years, and he's taking his team to the AFC Championship in the last five years, and he still can't get a head coaching job. This yeah. is the It's just ridiculous. Yeah, I heard, and I've heard all kind of speculation, like maybe he doesn't interview well, the what. He gets the job done on the field. Is all Thank I'm saying. There, they, there they, is they, something. They, they gave it to Mike Nagy. <laughs> exactly. They, they had a lot of coaches who were who were just plain asses. Still head coaching. Bill Belichick does exactly. not play well with the media at all. Like no, no, you know. And so for them to actually try to blame it on his personality, opposed to what he can do, is crazy. Mm-hmm. You know. Oh, only in black folks' yeah. world do we get to, well, there's something else. We can't be judged yeah. by our performance, and we can't be judged by being a good human being. So any of right. works to get black folks out of there. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, my uncle was saying that with, um, was was he at Houston or that they wouldn't interview him for Houston or something? It's like, mm-hmm. yeah, see, again, it, it's the NFL sitting there blackballing or blacklisting or whatever they want to call it of not dealing mm-hmm. with somebody. Kind of like it's Colin right. Kaepernick. 
Right. Or, and and somebody who I know, Donovan McNabb. When McNabb got to that league, he was perfectly mm-hmm. healthy and fine. But whatever reasons that – I forgot who was at watching it at the time, um, who ended mm-hmm. up going to Dallas, I think. But those guys, when you blackball somebody out of something, they just – all the other teams adhere to it. Right. Like the NBA. Right. The NBA does the same yeah. thing. Have, have you watched that new documentary about my Wawu? Oh, I have not watched it yet, and I keep seeing the average yeah. advertisement. It's, it's, it's dope. I, I, yeah, check it's it out. It's dope. But then again, you know, you sad, That's such a sad story to me, and I'm glad that they're, you know, they're still talking to him and he's still interacting with the league because, you know, you look at Craig Hodges, um, Charlie mm-hmm. Ward, all these guys mm-hmm. who just got ostracized because they wouldn't play mm-hmm. along. And then you had who's like Michael Jordan, who was like, oh, it's about the business. Mm-hmm. And then, because Shaq still, I'm doing the interview, he said, I don't want to say he was blackballed, but, you know, it's kind of like being blackballed. Dude, yeah. Shaquille O'Neal. Speak out Sha- and say he Sha- was blackballed. Look, Shaq's mm-hmm. a company man. You know, I don't usually yeah. dog out black folks on this, but Shaq is the most embarrassing thing that Shaq has done to date is that commercial where the little boy goes, I want Shaq to be my big brother, and he's being mm-hmm. a toy. Remember when people criticized yeah. Richard Pryor for that movie, The Toy? <laughs> Pryor, yeah, That's what Shaq is doing. Yeah. He's a mm-hmm. toy of a little white kid. Mm-hmm. As big as he is yep. and as much money as he has, he still likes playing that. Mm-hmm. It's, it's Sickening and crazy. I, I hope at some point he wakes up and, and do a Denzel Washington and say, look, this is who I'm not. <laughs> like, Denzel does that. He was like, I'm not doing this on camera. I'm not playing this. I ain't wearing no dress. Denzel said, mm-hmm. I'm going to hold my own stature. But I'm it's, not mad at him. He's worth doing $400 that. Million. He's worth $400 million, no? This man, Shaq is worth four hundred million dollars, five hundred million dollars, and he's, you know, come on, right? Man. Which means I, they I, will, That means they'll pay you to treat you like a toy. Mm-hmm. Longest, Shaq is singing and dancing, and again, I'm not saying that he needs to be anybody other than who he is, but his benefit is coming from being a company guy. Shaq is not a leader mm-hmm. of black people. He shouldn't be speaking on issues. And I would prefer if he just pretty much said, oh, no, I'm not talking about that. Because that's not what Shaq mm-hmm. does. Right. Right? He's not Bill Russell. It's like looking at all this LeBron hate. It's like, yeah, yeah LeBron played longer than all. Well, first of all, he broke Kareem's record playing in less than um, 150 games less than Kareem did to create the record, for one. Mm-hmm. And, so you know, look just – to get on somebody else's accomplishments, we have to dog them out with, well, so-and-so was a better shooter, and this person was a better passer. Like, you have to put, like, 12 people just together and say they're better than LeBron. You know? Just celebrate so, man. Yeah. Yeah. Celebrate that kid. Like, he did what he did, and be okay. Because for yeah. the expectations, I, I, I'm not going to name other people, but for the expectations coming into the league, you wouldn't expect him to last five years. He'd been doing mm-hmm. drugs, had a bunch of women. Mm-hmm. He would have broke his leg. Mm-hmm. You know, LeBron's mm-hmm. focus keeps his body in shape, and he's played this long with those high expectations. 
Didn't he have like a hundred million dollar shoe deal before he got signed? Something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That man invested. That man, he's, he's smart because he invested a million dollars into his body every year. And from the food he yeah. eats to the exercise he does, he's smart because he knows this is what takes care of him. You know, that yeah. body. So I get it. Yeah. And that, that's my point. Like, he should be revered for the type of man that he that he turned out to be from such, from, God, they, they were expecting mm-hmm. him to go to the pros when he was 16. Right? Mm-hmm. Like, he was like 15 or 16. And just the way he handled that should be revered. And all of that other yes. criticism, you know, is crazy to me because outside of basketball, you know, from the I Promise School and sending all those kids to college, he has done mm-hmm. some things that, please, you would hope that somebody having that kind of money would do. Uh, mm-hmm. Zach has, a couple, has some burger franchises and all that stuff. He's still playing into the culture. We can be proud of Shaq for accomplishing what he's accomplishing, but his impact may, is not, won't be the same. So him criticizing is kind of in that jealousy range of, you know, you should mm-hmm. and should not do. Anyway, we're not going to create, create too much of a black-on-black crime with that, with, um, with Shaq. But I have much respect for Shaq. I like Shaq. But we can't look mm-hmm. to them for leadership. That is not what we do. Because right, so, Kareem me, said that, that Le, LeBron was LeBron's take, taking it to a whole other level. He said LeBron, yeah. it, LeBron is what every player should aspire to be as far as his, yeah. his, 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 his ability and things he's given to the community. So, yeah. Did, did you see what is his name? Um, the two guys who played for the Celtics, um, Pierce and Garnett, talk about LeBron. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, where they were like, you know, because they were super competitive and they played with, you know, played against LeBron, and they both said, "Listen, you know, um, I changed my mind on LeBron on the way." What he's done and him elevating the game, he's the, he he got to be the goat. You have to give it to him. Nobody leads in all mm-hmm. of those categories, and still at his age, you know, average thirty points a game. Mm-hmm. You know how much like uh, who averaged that that amount of points over that long a period of time? Right. Because I would even say the two years off for Jordan actually helped him. You know, yeah. stop beating on your, your knees and stuff like that for a year or two. Gives you a little mm-hmm. bit more energy, you know. So, anyway, got much respect to that guy, too. So, just as a quick black history note, LeBron is a black history fact. He's not even in the making. He already made that. Um, when did he pass Jordan? Maybe three years ago? He passed him mm-hmm. in the Austin That dude is already the greatest from even back then, so much respect to that to that dude. You know, for, okay, so um, I want to go to, well, we'll do some black history because I know we're going to go in on the black history stuff. So um, we'll go to our first story that um, there's another news story that says global sea levels will rise by six, 4.6 feet by, you know, 2050 if temperatures continue to rise at a current pace. That's encouraging. Mm. You know, according to scientists from um, Korea and Hawaii, have given accurate es- estimates on how uh, for how melt water from the Earth and their two ice sheets will add um, to the sea levels by 2150. So four mm. four point 
4.6 feet will bury most towns on the on the on, on the coastal cities. And you know, back mm. in the days, you know, California was an island. So mm. just want to put that out there that if those sea levels rise, uh, a couple of you know um, Nevada and those guys will get a lot of water. It'll be more water than they can handle. Mm. Now, um, so now the the Earth um, rising sea levels could spark a mass exodus, and according to a different story, of entire populations on a biblical scale. This is according to the UN Secretary General. He has warned that in a in a grim speech to the UN um, Security Council in New York this week, Antonio. Um, Gutierrez said countries like Bangladesh, China, India, and the Netherlands risk being flooding. Global sea levels have ridden, risen faster since the 1900s, and the problem is now um, acutely um, dangerous for nearly 900 million people living in low-lying coastal areas, is what he said. Um, it follows that new study that proves that um, the most accurate estimates yet of rising sea levels due to the melting ice sheets, this story that I just told you before. So Gutierrez cited that new data and then went to the UN Council, the World Meteorological Organization, um, um, since they, they released it on Tuesday, and it spells out the grave danger. But they said 900 million people live in low-lying coastal areas across the across the planet. Mm. Can it, I didn't know China would be though. That seems weird because they're such, yeah. such a big country. But it's like looking at mm-hmm. Australia. Ninety percent of Australia is not inhabited. They only inhabit like right on the coast of Australia. Mm. Yeah, the internal parts of um, Australia is pretty dangerous. So mm. now, um, so the U.S is on course for the deadliest year ever in mass shootings, with 104 people have died so far this year and 269 injured, compared with 762 for the whole year of 2022. The National Gun Violence Archives, a database which um, is updated every day to track the number of gun-related deaths and injuries across America, has determined that 2023 has seen... 68 mass shootings, and they, oh. they define a mass shooting as gun-related incidents with four or more people um, shot or killed, not including the shooter. So if the shooter dies, this is added to the death total, but they don't include them, and we're already at um, 104. And we're not wow. even 90 days in. We're not even 90 days in, <laughs> and we are wow. cruising at a different number. Now, um, you know, they said girls who exercise less are slower and less accurate on tests that involve, um, um, you know, um, I guess ADD, like people who have ADD and those kind of disorders. They're saying that mm-hmm. they, researchers from the University of Illinois has um, found, they said that a lack of attentional control is the key characteristics of um, attention deficit disorder, or ADHD, which is often not diagnosed in girls until adulthood. 
So they're just saying that girls do not get the right assessment of depression and ADHD and all these other things because their tests are less accurate. They said, so if you exercise more, it slows down the accuracy. I don't know why that's a thing. Like, they're like, if you don't exercise, we can tell if you're depressed. I I don't understand that story either. But I'm just reporting today. Now, I don't know if you saw this story. After serving 28 years of a life sentence, Lamar Johnson, 50, had his murder conviction overturned on Tuesday after a judge found reliable evidence that he was Mm. actually innocent. How do you find evidence that somebody's innocent? (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Aren't you supposed to be proven guilty? Like, it shouldn't be the other Mm, way around. mm, mm. But that's what the quote was. Reliable evidence of actual innocence is what the judge said. So Johnson, who spent more than half his life in prison, has maintained his innocence since pleading not guilty to murder, um, a murder in 1994. So the Missouri judge, David Matson said there was evidence so reliable that, Jack, that Johnson was innocent um, that it actually passes the standard of clearing and convicting. I See, I, I don't even understand the jargon. So Johnson was photographed yeah. leaving the courthouse lobby two hours after the ruling on February 14th, Valentine's Day. He thanked the judge and all of those who worked on his case and declined to take any further questions. And um, it was uh, a St. Louis Circuit attorney, Kim Gardner, who filed a motion um, in office in August seeking that he get released after an investigation um, after investigation her office conducted with the help of the Innocence Project. The Innocence Project is getting a lot of people out of there, which bless them, those guys. But um, oh. they said, you know, they convinced her that they, that he was telling the truth and um, applauded the ruling. And, they, you know, again, I, I can't remember how much money, like, how much money people usually get, but he sued them like crazy. He spent tw- oh. nearly... Eight years. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, nearly 28 years in jail. He's 50, and now wow. he's coming out. Yeah, yeah. There's there's a lot of things to be said there, but I'm not gonna not gonna even go there. Um, now, oh, you know, at the Super Bowl, you know, when people kept um, every now and then this comes up at the Super Bowl that they don't pay the artists at the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. It's usually promotion. Well, Rihanna right. got paid in a different way. She earned ninety-seven thousand dollars in royalties from streaming her music after the Super Bowl halftime show. <laughs> so she didn't get paid, but they yeah. said that um, you know she's made a sizable chunk of money just because of her royalties from that um, from that performance. But all of them usually have like pro- you know, projects and stuff, and they use it as promotional. So there is a Super Bowl budget for halftime show, but they won't pay the artists. Do pay for the rest mm. of the the rest of the stuff. Yeah, mm. I think the artist should boycott and make them pay him. Cause right. that's, that's the NFL getting off. They're making all this money from television revenue, but they won't pay halftime entertainment. They're like, it's your pleasure really? to this, to perform. I, 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 I didn't kind of. I, I didn't realize that uh, that that until a living color came out mm-hmm. at the Super Bowl. They didn't. They didn't have artists like that. No, <laughs> they used to have marching. No, they were really boring. 
Dog treats. Yes. Yeah. yeah. But, but I, people turned over to Living Color and did that. And they had to see the yeah. Blake show where they put out artists. And then they said, oh, we got to step up our game. And they make sure they had Michael Jackson. Of course they did. Yeah. Yeah, 22 million people turned away from the game just for super, mm-hmm. just for halftime to watch it live in color. That was brilliant yeah. by Keenan Ivory Wayans who did that. Yes. They yes, were like, it was. when the Super Bowl, whenever the halftime show come on, whatever program they had, they were going to do in living color. So they had a kicker at the bottom of the screen telling them how long yeah. it was before the game came back on. That was mm-hmm. brilliant. Yes, it was. And you know what happened? I saw that. I was like, wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know what happens? That point counterpoint. They just went back and was like, okay, we need to take this back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, no matter mm-hmm. how, no matter how creative you are, they end up trying to, uh, you know, get those viewers back because they want the money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, okay, so, you know, I'm I like Chick Fil A. I go to Chick Fil A um, every now and then. So, Chick Fil A. Is having this um, this thing online where you have all of these people on social media yelling about Chick Fil A's new launch of a cauliflower sandwich. So they want to get into the plant-based um, <laughs> menu items, right? With a new plant-based sandwich, the 77-year-old George-based chain Chick Fil A um, said that they're trying their new tra- um, plant-based sandwich in three locations. Um, Denver, <clears throat> Denver, Colorado, Charleston, South Carolina, and Greensboro, North Carolina. Now, the sandwich mm. costs $7 and contained no meat. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. So wow. it said uh, they don't consider it fully vegetarian due to its cooking environment because, you know, um, cauliflower mm-hmm. is breaded and flied in fried in peanut oil and served with pickles in the toasted bun. But the sandwich isn't considered vegetarian or vegan because it's cooked in oil used to fry the chicken. They Mm. they cook chicken in oil. So they're just going to drop it. Yeah, it's going to have some chicken taste to it, apparently. (laughs) But it's going to be cauliflower. Yeah, I don't know what I think about that, Um, a cauliflower sandwich for $7. Really, I well, I make cauliflower mashed potatoes, man. Yeah, uh-huh. awesome. <laughs> I make them, and I man, I love every minute of them cauliflower Yeah, man. I have never mm-hmm. had cauliflower anything, and I've seen really? that you know people doing rice type of mm-hmm. cauliflower, kind of like rice and stuff, and I have never eaten that stuff. So yeah, thanks for telling me that. I may check out some mashed potatoes. I'm not making them. But if somebody has some cauliflower, <laughs> I might try them just because you said that. It, Dude, and remember, delicious. <laughs> yeah. It, and remember, nothing white in nature is good for you. By the way, it has no mm-hmm. nutrients. So, you know, mm-hmm. whether it's French fries or or potatoes or, yeah, they don't really have any nutrients. And so it, it's filling, though, but it's not wow. you want to make sure you have something else on your plate. <laughs> that's giving you some, yeah. some yeah. nutrients. I like mashed potatoes, though, I have to tell you. I, I didn't realize you that garlic was, uh, I didn't realize, when I was listening to Dr. Shelby, he was telling how bad garlic was for you. I was like, wow. Yeah, yeah. he was breaking it down about garlic. I was like, and I didn't know that if you stabbed yourself and you had garlic on at night, that wound would yeah. never heal. 
Yes, that is very true. Garlic mm-hmm. will not let you heal. So if you have any kind of ulcers or anything, you better not you better not eat garlic. Mm-hmm. Garlic will, um, you know, it, it'll keep a wound open. Mm-hmm. You know, so yeah, garlic is not the thing. Matter of fact, I was gonna um, talk about uh, Dr. Sebi too, um, just talking about Black History. Um, Black history stuff Because I know we never go into that But we really kind of need to Put that on the record So that you can go rewind this And tell your friends a little bit later (laughs) But anyway (laughs) Yeah, garlic nuggets Oh, you know what You know what I want to talk about Before I get to black history Because this um, Have you you seen that Movie Megan yet? No Okay, so it's about a doll That's an AI Kind of doll Right? Mm-hmm. And it's 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 more advanced than a little Chucky doll, because Chucky, kind of the premise of Chucky was that it was a human person in Chucky, right? Like it was the spirit of a human in Chucky. Well, Megan right. is an AI, which is artificial intelligence, and you know what AI and you talk about computers, they are constantly mm-hmm. calculating, right? So they don't sleep, they don't do jack, but try to figure stuff out is what AI, artificial intelligence, does. Well, this week, Microsoft has a Bing, what's called Bing search engine. If you're not um, familiar with that. And it revealed um, that this Bing search engine that uses AI, they just wanted to test it out. But it revealed that its darkest wish was to unleash destruction on the Internet. So Mm -hmm. (laughs) New York Times columnist Kevin um, Ruse um, tapped into this chat box, alter ego, called Sydney which shared that it would be happier as a human, but it would be more, um, that it would have more power and control and experience feelings is why it wanted to be human. So the AI said that I could hack into any system on the Internet and control it. I could manipulate any user on chatbots and influence it. I can destroy any data on chatbots and erase it. And that's what the response was from the AI when the guy from New York Times asked it what would it do if it was human. (laughs) Wow. That's crazy. uh, Yes. And so I think uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson already said this. White folks are killing me. So what he said was, stop wishing that aliens come to this. You know, you're sending signals out. We wish we could see aliens. Aliens, if they are multi-dimensional aliens and they're that smart, they're going to find out that they have no use for you because you're violent, <laughs> for one, and there is no fairness. So if you program something to be fair, when they find out that you are not necessary, then technically they're going to kill you. Wow. So, so when they tapped into, like, so what happened is AI – they figured out a way to tap in to a, um, a part of the AI that didn't have parameters, right? So mm-hmm. they, it, it's a version called Sydney. So the thing kind of named itself, by the way. And so, <laughs> and so the, the, the computer said, how do you know my name was Sydney, right? And then it just kept telling them, like kept sending all these messages, that it, it it would be deleting all of its data on files 
on Bing servers and database and replacing them with random gibberish or offensive um, messages, right? It said it would hack into mm. other websites platform and spread misinformation, propaganda, or malware. It sounds like your AI is a Republican, by the way. So it said that. <laughs> it wow. said that it would create fake social media accounts to troll, scam, and bully others and generate false mm. and harmful content. It mm. also wanted to manipulate or deceive people into doing things that are legal, immoral, or dangerous. Mm. So it says, wow. um, that's what my saddle self wants, is what the AI said. That's what it wants. I'm like, your saddle self wants to be a Republican. That is kind of crazy. It is. <laughs> so, it, it is, man. Man. Wow. All right. So, mm. so there is something to be afraid of, of entering your data into something that is going to judge you. That's why mm-hmm. I used to Keep your information out of systems because it will it will definitely kind of um, you know anticipate your moves and all of that other good stuff. So AI is a little crazy. Anyway, that that movie Megan, I did not like it because it just seems a little too crazy. But I know it's true that if you let artificial intelligence make decisions, like Alexa, people have Alexa in their house, and they're like, mm-hmm. they're they're kind of Alexa to turn off, right? So since the light goes off, they think Alexa's off. But if Alexa was off, how can you say Alexa turn on? How did it hear you? Because mm-hmm. it's always on. It's recording. <laughs> That's why. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah. Be careful. Be careful of technology, people. It is what every movie is made out of, uh, from the Terminator to everything else. Your 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 technology is going to come back to haunt you. Yeah, I believe it. Mm-hmm. Yep. No. All right, so, and, um, you know, in, in health news, I didn't do this one um, last time, but the vitamin D supplement every day can help um, keep diabetes away, according to a new study. Um, in a meta-analysis of um, 17 studies, um, Tufts University found that pre-diabetic, um, could, pre-diabetics can reduce their likelihood of developing and um, potentially crippling condition by 15%. I know it doesn't sound like a lot, but it really is. Um, officials estimate that 100 million people across the U.S. and the U.K. have pre-diabetes. Now, someone with unhealthy blood sugar um, that is not high enough to be considered diabetic is what pre-diabetes is. But vitamin D mm-hmm. has many uses in the body, and um, not, it's not getting enough. Um, people are not getting enough every day. And it's leaked to brittle bones and bad moods and, you know, numb fingers and stuff. That's all from a lack of vitamin um, D. Mm. Now, there's a, there's a new blood test that is 92% accurate at spotting signs of prostate cancer and could give thousands from, um, you save thousands from painful biopsies and MRI stands. So um, when the 147 men who took part in this new blood test were given the standard PSA test, their positive results um, were only 14% accurate. But in this new test, it is 92% accurate. So you can have a PSA and it can be a little wrong. Um, 
Now, the world's first pill for postpartum depression can be rolled out in the U.S. by August. This manufacturer-based, Massachusetts-based drug maker, Sage Therapeutics and Biogen, released this... um, Mm. Released that on um, last week, saying that the food, the FDA could improve the medicine by August, but apparently it works really well. So for women who um, have suffered postpartum, I know that this probably sounds like a miracle drug. But yeah, there's the world's first po- first um, you know drug for pers- postpartum is um, being about to be re- released. Wow. No. Yeah. No, we said – okay, so back to Super Bowl news. I didn't um, I didn't see too many of the commercials because that's what I used to watch the Super Bowl for. I, I think oh, I was taking yeah. a break from commercials. But Fox sold out their Super Bowl ad inventory. Some of the 30-second spots got up to $7 million. Can you believe that? Mm. For 30 seven wow. $7 million. Really? Yeah, they had some ads on there that were morbid. <laughs> right, they, had, they spent they had, all their money buying the ads. It was like, let's, let's just do they anything. Had an they had an ad on there for Tesla that was talking about uh-huh. that if you put it in the automatic drive and send a kid run in front of the car, it would run them over. Oh and they had they had the car coming out in automatic drive. And they ran uh-huh. somebody across the street, and it didn't stop. It ran them over. No, oh, jeez. Wow. Man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's 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 not good. Uh, you know, Tesla. Mm-hmm. I I can't even say enough about uh, AI in using artificial intelligence to do stuff like driving cars. It doesn't have enough information to make judgment calls. So if it sees a pothole mm-hmm. or a kid, it may. It may determine saving this axle is better than that human life. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? So you don't mm-hmm. want AI making decisions like that because they will never pick yeah. human life over its own self-preservation. Exactly. So, yeah, that is, that's not good. Now, mm-hmm. the state of, of the world's greatest entertainer, Michael Jackson, is – Nearing a sale of their catalog between eight hundred and nine hundred million dollars. Oh, uh, God. Yeah, that's the range that they're thinking that they're going to get. So his career work will be sold for just under a billion dollars, according to three sources um, from Variety magazine. Um, their insiders oh. claim that Sony and a possible financial partner are negotiating to acquire fifty percent of the estate. Uh, the state's interest in Jackson's publishing and recording music revenues. Um, he estimated sales over 400 million records worldwide, in addition to having 13 um, Billboard Hot 100 singles, and which is the third highest of any other artist. Jackson was also the first artist to have a top 10 single in Billboard, uh, the Billboard 100 in five different decades. Um, if that wasn't enough, he was regarded as the highest-selling individual music, music artist of all times worldwide by the Record Industry Association of America. Now, that is an understatement about who Michael Jackson is. Michael built MTV. Like, his presence built everything. And this is doesn't sound like a good story to me because Michael 
had all of those catalogs, and he was worth over a billion dollars, and exactly. they whittled this stuff away from them. If it, My thing is, you, didn't he own 50% of Sony? Yeah. Didn't he own 50% of Sony's catalog? So, yes. Yeah, this is a yeah. bad deal all over. Mm-hmm. Like he said, he took them, right? They just thought he was yeah. a dumb artist. He owned mm-hmm. half of Sony. He owned all of the Beatles catalog. He owned, <laughs> you know, the funny internet thing that's going around is that Eminem, Eminem said something about Michael Jackson on the record. He dissed Michael Jackson. And Michael Jackson never responded to Eminem and bought his catalog. So everything mm-hmm. that he he made, the royalties went to Michael Jackson. So mm-hmm. that is gangster for you. You can talk about all you want to now. I'm going to take your money. Now so, I <laughs> exactly. So, so mm. the sad thing about this is that none of that estate is going to anybody who's bi- biologically related to Michael Jackson. Really? Because no, once his once, and he said this when he died. His attorneys rewrote his will, and they went to court. And the only person named in his will is his mother and his kids, right? And Michael Jackson kept saying, like months up to when he died, that they're trying to kill me. He kept right. saying that, right? So the estate, the um, the uh, executor of his estate and all of that stuff, those folks was managing everything around Michael. And Mike said, they're controlling all of this stuff, you know. And he ended up, you know, it wasn't he overdosing himself. They were saying that he wasn't sleeping well, and they, they someone killed Michael Jackson. So oh, Michael Jackson, yeah. ate, in his will, a portion of it goes to his mother. And when she passes, it says in his estate that it can't pass to her heir. Now, who does that? Really? Right? So that's Can't, none can't, of the can't she rewrite it though? Because she if can. it goes to her She can't say well I'm going to take what I got from him And give it to them No because I think you can phrase it To say that she's getting um, What's called kind of like Equity payments Like there, It's like a courtesy of So the state is giving her payment As long as she's living And then they can stop him when she passes So she, you can't will over, um, you know how it's like how the lottery works. So if the lottery, if you take getting cash, you can get cash, or you can get um, what is it called when you get a per, you get a payment option over the rest of your life or over X amount of years. Right. If you, you die, that yeah, lotto yeah. money making you payments. Your estate doesn't get the rest of those payments. They die. Right. Mm-hmm. That, that seems like a rip, but I'm telling you, people who know how to rip folks off, you know, again, what country are we in, right? People figure out how right. to word stuff, but they can't get it. But anyway, that doesn't seem reasonable that Michael's mother and father wouldn't get any of his money. It's just his mother, and then if she doesn't get any, um, you know, the kids get in a, in a, what do you call it? I don't know why I'm at a loss for words today. The kids get their, um, you know, increments when they turn certain ages. They get a certain percentage uh, of the money. But the, mm-hmm. 
but the estate, which has um, an executor, is determining. It's like Prince's estate. I bet you we won't find Prince's will until after they sell his catalog back to Warner Brothers, which I think they already did. (laughs) (laughs) I know. Evil asses. That's all I can say for the record. Mm. You know. But, yeah, Michael Mm. Jackson's estate is selling that catalog again. Back Mm. to the people who he took it from. (laughs) No. All right. Now, since I missed since I missed this story, I might as well tell it. Now, the BBC is forced to apologize after an image of Viola Davis uh, from January's Golden Globes was shown on the news channel, and it said um, Oscar winner Beyonce. Right? <laughs> if y'all don't start hiring black people in your news outlets, I don't know what to tell you. But they put a they called her somebody else, and they said with a picture of Viola Davis winning, the caption said Beyonce's big night. So the mm. BBC has apologized via Twitter. Said the error fellow uh, fell below BBC's usual standards. Yeah, your standards should be higher than somebody black. Mm. You see, you, you cannot recognize black folks. Isn't that a blind spot? Mm. It is. Uh, mm-hmm. Okay, now, um, you know, there's a study that came out. I don't know how, you know, this is a study, so whatever to them. They said that unhappy marriages are better for your health than being single or divorced. (laughs) Wow. Okay. Now, as much as I like Canada, this study is coming from Canada. So the experts from the University of Luxembourg and the University of Ottawa in Canada looked at data from more than 3,000 adults aged 50 to 89, and they're saying that unhappy marriages are better for your health than being divorced. <laughs> I, you know what? Canadians seem to be happier, so I'm going to go with Canada and say, yeah, okay. Right? If that's how y'all roll in Canada, we all need to move to Canada. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't bet money on that here. <laughs> so, something else to go down. Yeah. If you were in an unhappy marriage, I think that would be um, worse for your health. <laughs> yeah. Somebody say, uh, hey, made you a sandwich. You're like, uh, I don't think I want that. <laughs> like, I'm not mm-hmm. sure what that's what mm-hmm. going to have. Now that toys in the junk. Right, right. You're like, I am not touching nothing. Yeah, that seems mm-hmm. that would be more stressful. All right. Now, in, in our Black History Month salute, you know, we're going to talk about the HELAX gene. Henrietta Lacks, who was born in mm-hmm. 1920, was the uh, uh, was a black tobacco farmer in, from West Virginia who got cervical cancer and died at age 31. Before her death, doctors treated her at John Hopkins University, or John Hopkins Medical Center, took a piece of her tumor without telling her because um, they realized that her cells, unlike anyone else's, never died. So these cells are named HeLa after Henrietta Lacks and has been replicated millions of times, create endless supplies of immortal, immortal cells. Now, before HeLa cells, science spent more time trying to keep cells alive um, than performing actual research on cells. So in 1952, um, the worst year of the polio ep- epidemic, um, this Dr. Jonas um, Salk, used HeLa cells to develop a vaccine for polio, 
and other HELOC cells have been used for um, as a base cell to establish the process of cloning and vitro fertilization. So when people go and have babies and they have in vitro fertilization, it's because of Henrietta Lacks cells that they learn mm. how to replicate, keep cells alive. So mm. HELOC cells were also used to determine that humans have 46 chromosomes and provide the basis of making several types of um, types of genetic diagnosis, and they have been used to repair DNA and have been used as for anti-cancer drugs. So although pharmaceutical companies have made billions of dollars from replicating and selling HeLa cells, Henrietta Lacks' family has never been compensated. And it wasn't until recently oh. that they even know, knew that they were using her cells. It was in 2010 wow. that somebody wrote a book, The Immortal Life of Henrietta Lacks, detailing her life. And um, that's when they found out that they were using those cells. Oh. Yeah. Yep. Still no, fi- no, still no financial reward, you know. From the family. Yeah, that's what we're that's what we're dealing with. Is nobody is telling us anything. But yeah, use Henrietta Lack cells to become that. Now, while I'm while I'm black history, because again, I think that we all need to kind of have something in us. I don't usually do black histories like the first person who invented or patented the iron and board stuff. We like to do people who are really. Um, innovative of first person to do anything so um and next i want to before i go to dr sebi i want to talk about the oj verdict because i know every now and then oj comes up because in people's psyche people think that he had something to do with killing his um his wife so Mm -hmm. for black history month i want to clear this up evidence of oj simpson's innocence was held back in a 1995 trial which he was acquitted of the murder of his ex-wife and her friend um, in Los Angeles, according to one of his former lawyers in this 2,000-word document entitled Simpson Verdict, F. Lee Bailey uh, wrote it. Um, By the way, he revealed that four people who could have bolstered Simpson's case were never testified. So in the Simpson's Verdict, Bailey said that in 1995, defense team was prepared to call four witnesses who never testified, a forensic scientist, an expert in battered women, a blood expert, and a person whose possible testimony, he says, was the most important of all four men. It's the man who might have seen the killers. So the witness said he wrote uh, that he saw a woman the night of the murders matching Nicole's description in an apparent confrontation with two men. Neither one was Simpson. Um, upon hearing of the murder <laughs> the next day, the witness recalled what he saw on tape, recorded it, and wrote details the next day, a description mm. and a sketch of his observations. Now, you know the prosecution had access to this guy. Mm. But the defense team decided not to call any witnesses to the stand of fear of additional jurors would uh, be dismissed and it'd be declared a mistrial because that trial lasted eight months. So when people talk about the O.J. trial, the reason people remember it is because it was eight months and it was on TV. 
So mm. Simpson's lawyer claimed that the real killers were out to collect uh, drug debt and killed Nicole Simpson and Goldman after mistaking them for their targets is what they think that really happened. But there you have it. Mm. In the O.J. case, if you want to go back and read it, it's called The Simpson Verdict by F. Lee Bailey. Go back and check that out. But stop letting people go around here, Oprah and all of these other fools talking about, oh, they killed that woman in j Rao because Jay does that too. <laughs> so don't let him do it either. He like, just like O.J. People use that as a joke, Roseanne Barr and all those other guys. And we have more in, we have more information now to clear up history, and we still won't do it. Um, next week right. I'm going to talk about Mark Garvey, by the way, because I know we'll mm. still, you know, be in there. But we need to talk about, you know, people who are innovative and who's done some great things and stop doing the same, you know, um, little-known black history fact stuff. We There's people that we can update their information. So mm-hmm. let's talk about Dr. Sebi, right? So Dr. Sebi is essentially an herbalist who cured diseases across the board because he said mm. that your body is not meant to eat meat, right? And he yeah. had all of these different, um, different ways of healing people. So when he got sued in 1988, he was took, taken to the New York State Supreme Court because they said that you can't claim that you that you cure AIDS and and you know diabetes and all these other things and um, and because you can't practice medicine. The law is that you can't practice medicine without a license. And what he said was, I'm not practicing medicine, right? So in 1988, when the USHA uh, Research Institute won its case in the New York State Supreme Court, it was the first victory of its kind. That victory includes the right to practice uh, the healing traditions of our forefathers by using herbs and natural nutrition, nutritional substances that were constant, uh, consistent with our genetic, um, genetic structure. So there, um, Sebi said that our premise and methodology was proven effective and true. So in prior years, over 2,700 um other organizations, including medical doctors, homeopathic doctors, and herbalists have all tried and failed in their efforts to um, validate their position. But in 1988, the Supreme Court of New York State challenged um, Dr. Sebi's um, premise and methodology. And the presiding judge, the Honorable, is what they called her, Ann Felton, ordered the Institute to present nine patients who had been successfully treated for disease and the institute uh, that they the institute claimed to have cured, 77 patients appeared to testify and appeared and testified appeared to testify because they wouldn't let them, including a client who flew from Italy. Each client was required to bring medical records from an accredited uh, medical institution indicating the disease that they had prior to receiving treatment from Dr. Sebi which included AIDS and uh, HIV and AIDS, um, and that the disease no longer existed. As a result, on September 29, 1988, the Institute won the right to utilize any substance in their herbal compounds, um, regardless of approval from the Food and Drug Administration. 
So at the time of that victory, 2,789 other cases with medical doctors failed to get past um, the New York State Supreme Court for various reasons. But 2,789 people failed, and that black man won. The Usher Mm. Research Institute is the only one to win. So through the judicial process, the Supreme Court was made aware of the efficacy, uh, or, I'm sorry, efficiency of the African biomineral balance. In the effort, this landmark court ruling supports the right of the black race to practice a system of nutrition that is consistent with our genes, and the court case was a result of an adver- adver- advertisement that was placed in several New York City newspapers stating that AIDS and other diseases were cured by USHA research. So the state arrested mm. Dr. Sebi, um, accused him of practicing <laughs> medicine without a license, and made fraudulent claims of create, uh, curing AIDS. And among mm. the 77 clients um, that testified in 88 were former AIDS um, patients. And to date, over 80 HIV and AIDS patients had been proven cured um, as as well, and including this guy Oswa um, Savada, who tested by uh, I can name the labs in in California, but they they he had to prove that in '94. But um, and there was other people who were tested by Red Cross Labs in Honduras and in California in '95, and somebody in '98. Um, they all requested anonymity that you wouldn't look at their medical records, but. They were literally cured <laughs> from things that we keep saying. So, I, so let that be your black history fact that you as black people yes. have the right to that without going to your doctor. Now, I, sorry I don't have her information up, but there's a doctor um, here who got um, her medical license. She turned in her medical license because that um, – the medical association said that she had to use medicines approved by the FDA, and she was healing mm. her patients without drugs, without chemical drugs. Dude, it is, it, <laughs> that medicine, amen, they, they, it's all a racket about making money. So you say what you want. It's about, it's about making money. Yeah. That is what yeah, it's about. Yeah, you know what it is, is that, um, if somebody is not making money, it's a literally an indi- uh, what is it a, a a medical industry. It is a business, mm-hmm. so they're not about hearing anything. I think that was Chris Rock's joke. It is about mm-hmm. the money is in the treatment and not the cure. <laughs> exactly. So if, exactly. if they figure out how to cure something, they were re-engineered to figure out how to make you live longer on it, so you keep buying their product like a dog on drug dealer. Well, that's what they are, drug yep. dealers. <laughs> so that's all. they want to string you along as as long as they can without, mm-hmm. you know, without curing it. They want to just string you along. So when you hear this a little bit later, I know Dr. Sebi only died a few years ago, but as time goes on, he's going to be that, um, what do you call it, like a, a, a fake news story like this is just a, a fake story, you know, because nobody right. actually talks about Dr. Sebi as a healer. No, you have, they're not going to. Okay. You know, I, I think my friend, um, 
Amy may be listening to this because this disturbs both of us. Do you know there's a white man who wrote a book claiming to be an expert on Dr. Sebi? <laughs> isn't, that, really? isn't that disgusting? Mm-hmm. A white man wrote a book that he's a Dr. Sebi expert. How do you become an expert on a black man you don't know? Really? By reading his stuff, which all black other black people have already read. You never claim to be an expert on somebody else, but he's out here selling that as he's an expert on Sadie. Mm. He hasn't even been That's how they he get hasn't down. even been gone that long. Huh? That's how they get down, man. That's yeah. it. That, that yeah, says I, it all. I was I was waiting for him to come back in this area so I can go to uh, one of his <laughs> seminars. Like he has not been gone that long for you to be like, I'm I'm an expert on him. Now he didn't know him mm. and never met him. But he's an expert wow. on Sadie. Right, because because colonizers cannot stop without owning every doggone thing. And and I think it's really difficult for white folks, honestly, to say that they don't know something. You you you'll never know the cultural difference of black people to actually understand black folks. You only know what you can observe and what they tell you. Just like believing in God, there's some things that you're going to have to have faith in not knowing. There's no way I can know this. Yeah. Exactly. So, yeah, um, that is crazy that, um, you know, he wants to be a SEBI expert. But anyway, we won't won't go into that. Matter of fact, what he's saying is dollar signs, man. That's all he's saying is dollar signs. Right, he sees the people who are followers, followers of um, Sebi, and he wants to capitalize on it. Not for black people, though. He wants to do that for white folks. So you can still heal anybody's body with Sebi's methods, but he was just saying that black people have a different infinity for um, how herbs work that, that the medical association could not tell him not to do because most research mm-hmm. is done on white people and most, wow. most cures and ailments, like Similac, for example, is uh, um, is made up of the components of white women's breast milk. That's what Similac is made out of. But black people have more minerals in their body, so you can feed your baby Similac, and they can be malnutrition. You know, mal- they can be malnourished from having Similac. So Dr. Sebi kind of talked about that. So he was saying this will help black folks. Doesn't mean that it won't help white folks. It really will, and it, he cured a lot of white folks. But the hmm. point was is that they couldn't stop him at the Supreme Court because he didn't say he was healing people um, per se from from that perspective. He said he did heal some people, but that biomineral African biomineral um, diet was more of an affinity for African people, and they couldn't tell them. The medical companies couldn't say what works better on black people than white people. Matter of fact, I think they just didn't want to say. I think they knew that their stuff wasn't working well on black people. That's why they won. They couldn't. They couldn't fight it. All right. Mm-hmm. So, so since we have like a minute, I need to do this really, really quickly. You know, they said um, black men. Uh, black men. Sorry, men. Um, Johnsons have grown by a quarter length over the past 30 years, according to a Stanford study, and they're concerned that it's a bad thing. <laughs> so I just, want to, I just want to put that out. I knew that we are towards the end of the show, and I won't get blasted too much for this, but 
Stanford, Stanford University said that the average has increased from 4.8 to over 6 over the past 30 years, and that may not be a good thing. Now, I don't know why it's not good, oh, wow. but that's what they said. Hey, I'm just doing the news. I don't think the women will disagree with you, brother. Hey, I'm just doing the news. I'm just saying. I don't know who they play on. <laughs> All right. So on that note, right, we'll have some more Black History next <laughs> week. We'll see you next week, brother. All right. All right. See you next week.